Halo, halo, Sacred Icon listeners. We used to do ads for other people, but I decided, why don't we do one for ourselves? Whether you're here listening to us for the first time or you've heard every episode, I'd like to briefly tell you what we're about and how you can support us. We have been doing this podcast since 2019, and with that has come lots of changes. We started as a primarily Halo-only show, but have evolved, combat evolved, over the years to talk about a wide variety of things in the realm of nerd culture. As you can imagine, we've made numerous changes to our platforms, usernames, and emails over the years, so now is the time for me to set things right and give the Covenant back their bomb. You can join our Discord by clicking the link included on our podcast feed. You can also send us an email or a voice message at sacrediconpodcast at gmail.com. We have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash sacredicon, and we no longer use Twitter or X or whatever else the kids are calling it these days. So if you see someone who looks like us there, just know it's not us. Lastly, you can support us on patreon.com slash sacredicon and receive a bevy of bonus content. We're so glad you chose us to be the voice in your ear on this particular day and hope you enjoy the episode ahead. Hello there. It's not Darth Bane. It's Brian's Bane. And this is an oddball episode, and we're going to talk Star Wars. And that's all we're going to talk about, and I ain't going to make no apologies for it. Josh, do you like Star Wars? General Kenobi. Ah. Yes, I do love Star Wars, as Steel War would say, if you guys have ever listened to him. Uh, Yes, man, I am so excited uh, to do this episode. We have been... You've been wanting to really do this for a minute. Yeah, believe it or not, guys, I have been on Josh for weeks. I'm like, let's talk about Star Wars. That's what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about anything else. I want to I want to live, talk, and breathe Star Wars. Which and, is great uh, for me to hear, and I'm yeah, sure for some Josh of you guys. Josh is like, let's just do this all the time. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as you guys uh, can imagine, we've been watching The Mandalorian. I have also been going through The Clone Wars properly for the first time. I have watched it off and on bits and pieces for like the whole decade. Um, I've seen some of the big arcs, like the Darth Maul arc, the finale of the new season seven. Um, yeah, you guys got to know this is super exciting because like I've I've been trying to get Brian into this for so long, and I was always one of those guys like you on the internet who would just be like, "You got to watch Clone Wars, got to watch Clone Wars. It's going to enhance. It's going to make this. This is going to make some sense. This is going to make more sense. Mm-hmm. This is going to be even more cooler and all this stuff." And Brian would try, and I was always one of those guys who's like, "Watch chronologically," because I never even got to do that initially, and blah blah blah. So we're going to get into all that and talk about that. But I just got to say it's super cool because Brian would watch a couple arcs here and there. And he would always fall off because that just wasn't as much his thing. And if I can just say now, even as far back as like, I don't know, like two weeks ago, Brian was telling me, I was like, man, you should really try to watch the Clone Wars. And he's like, I, you know, I just, I think I'm starting to have to accept that I'm just not as much of an animated show kind of guy. And now here we are. So. Yeah, I, I think I want to give you all all you hardcore Star Wars fans a warning out there, and you have good intentions, but I think as a more casual Star Wars fan, I think often the mistake is pitching it to, to casuals. And I don't know if I don't think I'm a typical I know casual, but yeah. I'm more I'm more casual than like Josh. Uh, I think the mistake is pitching it to people as oh these orders are out of these these episodes are out of order. Go to StarWars.com, watch this list, look at this list, and watch it. It does sound like a lot of work when you, when you put it like uh, yeah, that. Yeah, because like, every time, that's how Josh pitched it in the beginning. And I don't, I think, I think after I finished Clone Wars, I would want to say that too, except now knowing that I think that might be detrimental, I won't. Um, but because it'd make the series cooler. But for me, it was like, oh, you know, you picture you got like your, at the time, it was Netflix when I started with Clone Wars, which is crazy to think it's Disney Plus now, you know, for for life. Yeah. Um, but you'd start it up, you know, I, I'd go, okay, I'd look, at the, I'd look at the sheet of episodes and it'd be like 
okay, I got to start with episode two. And then when the episode finishes, Netflix wants to make the new episode start, but I got to back out of the program. I got to, and I know this sounds ridiculous, it's such an American problem, but like I got to back out of Netflix. I got to go into the season. I got to choose the episode and they're 20 minute episodes and they're rapid fire. And I wasn't a huge fan yet. So it's like having to continue to stop Netflix and choose and then continue to check the list. And sometimes I'd accidentally exit out of the list. So I'd have to go Google back to the Star Wars thing. So I would recommend if somebody uh, doesn't really feel like watching it and you want them to, I would say just throw that on and let it play as it goes and tell them that it really picks up season. Most people say season three. It but is, I honestly, they're right. They're right. I mean, I, I would I honestly feel like season two is a huge improvement over one personally. personally. It's, yeah. And we're going to talk about that. But I, I agree with you. Like, I think that's been a learning experience for me, too, is just like. You know, uh, if you're watching it chronologically, a lot more is obviously going to make sense. I mean, like, like the biggest example I can give is that, you know, like, uh, I'm trying to, I'm forgetting the planet name right now at the top of my head, but, uh, when you watch the Clone Wars movie, it takes place on a planet, right? This one specific planet. Well, if you watch some of the Clone Wars episodes, like there's actually a couple episodes that set up them getting to that planet. Christophsis. Uh, Christophsis. Okay. It sets up them getting to Christophsis. And uh well that's gonna be that'd be so difficult to say it fast. Christophsis. Isn't that a character in Frozen? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um it, it you know, you get to see that kind of setup for that, uh, for them even just getting there. So you do have that reward. And for me, it was weird seeing the film first and then getting it later on into season one as it was actually coming out. And then I see them trying to get back to that planet and break through a blockade. And I'm like, yeah. weren't you guys just there? It was a bit yeah. confusing. But for newcomers, especially for people like Brian, who are actually really trying, they, 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 they like what they've gotten. They want to get into more of it. It's probably a bit more counterintuitive now, I realize, to maybe say, oh, hey, do it this way. Just let them watch it. And if they enjoy yeah. it, they'll figure out the way they want to. Plus, that gives me such incentive to watch it a second time. Yeah. And Brian is definitely the kind of guy who will, will watch and replay stuff uh, several times. So that is a huge uh, point. Power. Is it fair, am I fair in saying that I feel like the Star Wars community mostly is like the worst part of Clone Wars is the, is the film, right? That's the worst. No, well, yeah, I guess and no. I mean, it's just it was a weird starting point because like when that came out, it it was announced to be coming out in theaters, and you know it was just weird to to imagine a new film coming out. And you know, Revenge of the Sith comes out in two thousand five, so you have a three years later, you're getting ready for another Star Wars film, but it's an animated movie, and it's sort of a, a backdoor pilot for the actual show. And then even chronologically, it's not kicking things off. It's actually just kind of like. Mid, you know, it's a little bit in there in the timeline of Clone Wars, yeah. of the show at yeah. least. Uh, it was weird. It was really weird. I didn't actually go see it. I wanted to, but just didn't at the time. And I think most people's reception of it was overall. Eh? Because. Yeah. Oh, go I'm ahead. Gonna, I'm going to project a little bit here. Like I can't, I don't have any facts to back this up, but just kind of in my mind, my awareness of the, at the time, 2008, I think the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you had that large group of people who were disappointed with the prequels and, 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 you know, Revenge of the Sith was marketed as the last Star Wars film ever, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of people are disappointed with the prequels. So it's like, you know, people are disappointed with the prequels a couple years go by and then they put out an animated movie that's also set during the prequels. And I think a lot of people, I'm talking more mainstream, not so much Star Wars hardcore. I think a lot of mainstream people are like, you know what? I just went through five years of prequels that I didn't, that I, you know, I did or didn't like, and now there's an animated show. I just, I don't care. You know, Star Wars is is done. Not necessarily like in a I don't like it way, but in a George Lucas said six films this is it. So it's done. Um, but, and I, I think for, for me, uh, you know, I didn't care at all. See, 
just to give you guys a little bit of, of reference, you know, since we're talking Star Wars this whole episode, for me, I grew up with Star Wars from, I mean, it's one of those things where I can't put an age to it, but as early as I can remember, I was in the living room of our house while my dad was playing the VHS Star Wars movies. Like, I have been watching the originals. I remember sitting there when I didn't have the remote or the remote didn't have batteries and I had to watch George Lucas talk for 15 minutes before the film started. Because it's, it's the special editions. Yeah. No, cool. it wasn't special editions. Wasn't? It was the last edition of VHS with, before special editions. Okay. He would talk, I was going to say... He would the... talk about the... Pre, it was the, it included him talking at the beginning for yeah. like 15 minutes about the prequels. Or I, was say, I think it was the special editions. That, I think it was maybe A New Hope, but one of them had like a good five to ten minutes thing of him being in like a little interview thing yeah that's and that was in these and um so i you know i remember like oh when's this guy gonna be done talk i didn't even know he was like the guy who created star wars really i'm just like this is some old star guy. wars you know like, i'm like four up. or five years old yeah uh, like when's this guy gonna stop talking to me and watch these movies and like my dad would watch him all the time and and i would like him as a you know four or five year old whatever i would i would be bored for parts like where characters were just talking or i remember being mesmerized though by C-3PO and R2-D2 wandering the dunes of Tatooine. Like, I just remember, because I remember just like, every time my dad would start it, yeah. it was almost like my kid brain knew that there was something iconic about what I was watching. I just didn't know what it was. Um, so, anyways, I grew up watching the original trilogy over and over and over again. Um, I remember fondly the hype around Phantom Menace's marketing and Attack of the Clones. Though, um, I wasn't, by the time Phantom Menace came out, I was like seven I was into stuff like Hercules and Tarzan. I wasn't into Star Wars. It sounds really lame. Like, oh, wow, you weren't into Star Wars, but you were into Tarzan? Lame. Not lame, dude. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> uh, Toy Story, things like that. I had like a bunch of Buzz Lightyears. So I didn't really, you know, I didn't really care about going to see those movies. Plus, when you're seven, you don't really command the kind, at least in my family, I didn't command the kind of like, I want to go to the movie theater to see this day one. Like, you don't. My parents aren't going to do that. I tried. For seven year old. I tried yeah. for Phantom Menace. <laughs> um, so I saw Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones both on VHS yeah. uh, when they came. That's how I saw them. But then by the time Revenge of the Sith came out, I was a freshman in high school, and I was really excited for that movie. I don't think I've ever talked to Josh about that that much, but I was hyped as heck for Revenge of the Sith because for me it was like, we're actually going to see Anakin become Darth Vader on screen? This is mind-blowing. It was definitely huge. And I remember I actually had this. My grandpa had bought me a safe lock box. Uh, just just to store things in, and I had got all the newspapers for Revenge of the Sith and stored them there. I had told I'm myself I was save stuff like that for. Me. I was gonna. I told myself I was like, I'm gonna save these because this is the last Star Wars movie that's ever gonna be made. Which is like, wow, that's so wrong. Um, but I was like, I'm gonna save these newspapers, and then in 20 years I can sell these. Well, I ended up, you know, five years later, I think I trashed them because I was just yeah. like, I didn't care. It's funny, but, man. Uh, when, when when Revenge of the Sith was coming out, like I think that was the movie that everyone who had invested time into these prequels for those years that was that was the movie when when the prequels were announced that's the story you wanted to that's get everyone wanted to see that's you yeah. wanted to see i mean the rest of the stuff was awesome don't get me wrong i love it but i just mean that specific plot like how he became darth vader how everything transitioned you, you needed the context right you couldn't just do an episode three like solo film just to show that but like having the context and build up was great for it so you see the fall of the republic and everything but i mean it's just that's when it got to Revenge of the Sith time, it was like, yes, this is this is the fourth quarter. This is like what we were. This is down to the wire. This is we know shit's gonna happen in this one. Yeah. So, um, so I remember yes. being really really hyped for that. I don't. I'm guessing it wasn't launch day or like you know opening showing. It was probably I think it was opening weekend. Like you know maybe Sunday, two days after Revenge of the Sith first mm -hmm. came out. 
Uh, we had tickets, and it was my family and my friend oh, Kyle. Making me so nostalgic right now. Go ahead. Uh, we went to see the movie, and honestly, and it's funny because, you know, as you get older and you get jaded and you start listening to critics, you start, you know, your opinions start to change. But when I saw Revenge of the Sith in the theater, I thought it was amazing. I mean, I thought, I, I loved it. Because it have, is. I didn't have any complaints. The only thing, and I know Josh will roll his eyes, but the only thing is me and Kyle laughed out loud in the theater at the, no. At the Everyone thought, did but me. I know. We, we thought it was silly. As kids, so that 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 adds some credibility to me that it's not just me being like critical because as a kid we laughed. But other than that, like we walked out of there, we're like, wow, that movie was amazing. I remember coming home with my dad, and of course my dad, my dad's not a like a you know super critical person, but my dad was just like, you know, nothing's gonna beat the originals, you know. So when we came home, I was like, Dad, you know, let's watch a New Hope, and we're watching a New Hope, and I look up at him, I'm like, so, I mean, do you think do you think Revenge of the Sith was better than any of these? And he's like, eh, probably not, but maybe. You know, and like we'd really like that, really liked it. So, but pretty much after Revenge of the Sith came out, you know, my Star Wars uh, interest kind of went dormant um, pretty much until, unless I'm forgetting something, pretty much until Force Awakens. I think until Disney announced they purchased, because when I remember working and and like seeing it on break that they purchased it, and I was like, wow, like this is going to be, I'm excited to see what they're going to do. That's what started it just getting jogged my memory. I remember us being in Slugger's Pizza, and you had just like you went you went to use the restroom real quick, and I had just read that the title got announced, and it was Force Awakens, and you came out, and I was like, "Dude, this is the title," and you were like, well, "How do you feel about that?" And we talked about that. That just completely jogged my memory of that. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, so when Disney acquired it, like my interest was reignited, and then of course, Josh. Like there was kind of I met Josh properly in 2011. <laughs> properly. So. Well, because, well, actually, just to give you guys, actually, it's on topic, Star Wars, so I want to give you guys another story. So, I met our friend Justin, who's been on the podcast several times. Uh, I met him in school, and Justin's cousin is Josh, sitting here with me. And... Um, it's a me. It's a, it's, a, it's a Josh. Josh. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> um, you you supply the parts, I supply the board. Yeah, we split the winnings. Uh, 50-50. <laughs> oh, man, it's good to talk Star Wars. Uh, long live um, Watto. But uh, so so me and Justin were friends for years. Well, um, the uh, I'm going to always say this wrong. Knights of Knights. No, just the Old Republic. Yeah, see, I always say Knights of Old Republic, but that's not what I mean. The MMO was coming out soon. The, the MMO, uh, the Old Republic. Knights of the Old yeah. Republic was the... Yeah, the Star, War, Star Wars, to, the Old Republic so, so MMO anyone listening doesn't get uh, was coming out. And on Facebook, Justin was making a post saying that uh, the Old Republic MMO was going to be the thing to take World of Warcraft down. And uh, now, just to preface, I... I still have this opinion. I still think I was right, but I'm not going to say that I was flawless or perfect in this argument. But um, so basically, I, I went on to Justin's page and I was like, "Dude, the Old Republic is not going to take World of Warcraft down. It's number one MMO." And he was like, "Justin supplied all these reasons, which I can't remember. You know, one of them was the fact that Star Wars was like the biggest property on the planet." And I was like, "Dude, but my whole thing was like, when you become a YouTube." You know, dailymotion.com doesn't take over YouTube. Like, YouTube is such a behemoth that nothing's remotely close. Like, before the Old Republic came out, World of Warcraft was sitting at about 12 million subscribers. And, like, the runner-up MMO, I don't think, had 6 million subscribers. So, it was like, 
it was such a colossal beast. Like you don't just release a YouTube or a search engine to compete with Google and win. I mean, it's just so, something becomes so big. It's like it's impossible to break through, even if the thing's better. Um, so uh, I, that's, that was my opinion. I'm like, dude, it's not gonna it's not gonna pass Old Republic. Well, then Josh, who I didn't really know, I, all I knew is that he was Justin's cousin, came into it and. I don't remember what you said, but I think you more or less respectfully backed up Justin, I, I believe. Yeah. yeah, Justin, I think Justin, I'm paraphrasing entirely, guys, but I think Justin more or less messaged me and was like, dude, this guy's talking shit about Old Republic, and I was like, where? <laughs> yeah. He didn't actually say that verbatim. I, I didn't actually say anything bad about Old yeah, Republic, and he I just did. said I didn't he have didn't. a chance was, about... Justin had basically let me know that this guy was, you know, they were in a debate and stuff like that, and I was like, whoa, I was like, Old Republic... I was definitely of the belief that Old, Old Republic, if if it was if there was a game to do it, it was going to be that game, but it did not do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was my first interaction with Josh. So then by the time, and then <laughs> me and Justin were years later. Me and Justin were fighting, and that's when Josh started uh, his job at the same place I worked at. So I knew that I was going to be starting work with Josh, whose only impressions of me was. First, an argument about Old Republic on Facebook, and then his cousin probably saying I was an ass because we were currently fighting. <laughs> so I just said, you know, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go right up to Josh. I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to ask him about his interests and let him make his decision on his own. And luckily, that worked out because we became really good friends pretty quickly. And But the reason I, I kind of brought that up is because that was 2011, and that's kind of when Josh started putting more bugs in my ear about the Clone Wars and Star Wars because... Josh is a huge Star Wars fan. Um, so, But then it's interesting because I think, was it 2012 or 13 Disney purchased? Uh, I'm almost 100% it was 2013. 13, okay. So it was like, you know, roughly two years after I met Josh, the Disney acquisition happened. But I forgot to mention to you, Josh, I don't think I've ever told you this, but you remember uh, bald-headed James we worked with? Yeah. Way back in. in the day? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think you remember this vaguely, but before you started, him and I were buddy-buddy. And yeah. he was like, because I was 18 and he kind of, he was doing one of those things where, you know, the older guy, he was kind of taking me under his wing as his buddy type deal. Yeah. Well, he talked to me all the time long before you started about the Clone Wars because he was a huge fan of the Clone I Wars. I think you did tell me something. I did tell you that? that. Okay. Yeah. He was telling me how they were actually really good and it was actually like making the prequels way better. And I was just like, I'm thinking to myself, like, it's just a cartoon. I don't understand, you know? Uh, so, yeah. So, there's kind of this like... It's weird how you look back and like Star Wars always was cropping its head up in my life in different ways. You've been on a weird, traje- well, a strange trajectory with it, you know, with yeah. Clone Wars specifically, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cool so, to finally arrive at the point where you're watching it. You're about yeah. to start the season three today, probably, right? Well, that's what I was going to say, too, is like Josh got me to watch a few episodes. I can't put any kind of time limit on it, but when I was working with you at the grocery store at first, you got me to watch a few, didn't get into it. Then years later, around after Disney acquired it, Josh would come over. I remember Josh actually came over once in 2013. Uh, no, it wouldn't have been. Th- I think it would have been 14. He came over and we watched some more Clone Wars. I remember it was an episode of Job of the Hut, and he had his phone had an R2D2 case on it, and he accidentally dropped his phone into my couch, and it went so far down to my couch we had to turn it upside down and cut it open to get his phone out. <laughs> um, I vaguely yeah. remember that. Yeah, so uh, I love that so phone I- though. I still have that. And then, and then, of course, after Force Awakens came out, you know, it was like Josh was like, well, you should watch Clone Wars. I watched a few more episodes, you know, after Last Jedi came out. I got in Star Wars mood again. You should watch the Clone Wars. So I have watched probably somewhere between 12 and 24, a dozen or two dozen episodes prior to starting the series properly now. Um, so that's the one thing I want to mention, too. And we're about to get into we're going to go into Man- Mandalorian stuff first. But one thing I want to mention to kind of skip ahead is, you know, 
when people talk about Ahsoka and their attachments to her, you know, and how like people who watch the Clone Wars have this super big attachment to her, but people who don't are just kind of like, who's this? I'm, I don't want to say the middle, but I'm closer to the middle on that because obviously I have nowhere near the attachment as like OG Clone Wars fans and Josh because I haven't watched the show. But Ahsoka has been a character I've known about and seen in episodes and been aware of who she is and what she does. You at least had the context of her. Yeah, I had the context of her for going close to 10 years now. So it was still, there was some special, like it was cool to me to see her brought to live action. I'm not going to claim it was anywhere near as cool for like real Clone Wars fans, but it was more to me than just a casual. It's not like I didn't know who she was. I was like, oh, I think most people listen. I was like, I know who she is. I know who trained her. I know what she did. I know how she fits in the timeline. I know she's also in Rebels, blah, 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 blah. Um, I know she fought Darth Maul and she fought these other people, you know, Darth Vader or whatever. Mm but anyways, yeah, so that's kind of like a background of my history with Star Wars. So Josh has always been like huge Star Wars fan from the get-go. But the interesting thing is like, I'm kind of going all over the place here, but I just I'm love it. I'm, I'm just in such a Star Wars mood right now. But like <laughs> I've, I've mentioned before that I'm, Force Awakens is my favorite Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's interesting how like the way that Disney acquiring Star Wars and taking over the franchise the way it's like captured my interest more and it's made me a harder, like closer to hardcore fan. It's done it in such a way where it kind of, you know, it seems like it almost seems like force awakens, you know, would be the first movie I've seen, you know, like, Oh, well the way I, the way I feel about force awakens is usually how it is when you, you meet somebody who's like, Oh, my favorite's Revenge of the Sith. Why is that? Oh, it's the first star Wars movie you saw. But it's interesting that it's not that way for me. Star Wars has been in my life since I was a little. I don't tiny know. The kid, more I think yeah. about it, and all these talks we've had, uh, just in general, I think honestly, man, Force Awakens for you is like this, this period for you of this entry point for you as a Star Wars fan. Like you had, like when you were talking about all this stuff with your dad earlier and watching the movies and all that stuff. That for you is like you, you were definitely a fan. You were just more on the casual end of it, right? So you yeah, didn't, you didn't want to look into the books more. You didn't really play as many of the games and all this comics and all that stuff. So you didn't really go into all that, but you liked watching the movies a lot. But it was Force Awakens that really like opened your eyes to a point where you're like, wow, I really, I care about this universe. I don't only enjoy like being in it for two hours, but I like yeah. I care about it. I want. Well, more. you know, and I, I say this with genuine like hardiness. I don't say this as any kind of diss at all because I actually like and enjoy the prequels. I'm glad they exist. I am happy with them despite their flaws. But I have to say this because it's the truth. Is what it was for me. It was like. You know, the original trilogy, even though they're what I started with and the only thing that existed when I was watching them, that's like my dad's trilogy. You know, he was taken to see Star Wars when he was five years old, the first one. And for me, I guess the best way to put it, to make it seem like this isn't a diss on the prequels, the prequels were different than the, than the original trilogy, purposefully. They were different. I mean, that's it doesn't, let's pretend they're all 10 out of 10 quality movies. Factually, they weren't going for an original trilogy vibe. Are you on the same page with me, Josh? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, me, they were definitely that. That was the whole point of it too, was to just to show the yeah, the, get, which the I think it's of the great. galaxy before especially it got to the Clone point Wars. where it's at in the original. So yeah, I remember no, thinking especially too, now, like watching the originals, and I was like, uh, it's like like when Episode One came out for me as a kid, as much like I love the Phantom Menace, and I always play around with it being my favorite. Uh, just so you guys know the level of love I have for it, but when I would watch it, I would always have to try to wrap my brain. Like I'm talking about like pre-episode two i would have to try to wrap my brain around the aesthetics and i would think wow the aesthetics in episode one like you see how coruscant looks and just the text and just you know everything in it looks so different than the sort of yeah. uh edginess that uh and, and kind of uh 
I guess, minimalistic look yeah. that uh, the Empire has and things like that. And when you get to the end of the, by the time you get to the end of the prequels and you see things like the Clone Wars and stuff, you can see why that just was, why things shifted from a sense of sort of beauty and angularness to sort of this jaggedness and, and it's like rule and domination by the end of, yeah. the, you know, the prequels. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it was definitely, it definitely had that intention. And I think that's why, that's a, a big reason why I love the prequels. Yeah. So I think for, for me, what it was is like, I had never gotten my version of what my dad got to experience because the prequels were so different. So when Force Awakens came out, it was like, this is a Star Wars for this is a Star Wars for your generation. Even though even though really my generation would be more the prequel era, but like it felt Doesn't like matter. I was I mean like, like I was, yeah. Technically the prequels are, are my generation, if you will, but I always say I grew up with the originals too. Like, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't around when they came out in the theaters, but that trilogy was the only Star Wars films that I had access to as a kid. Like, I was into that before Phantom Menace was a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up with those two, but it's it's all about what what movie really like opens the door for you, like kicks down yeah. the door. Because I mean, like, I had the original trilogy, and there was still stuff there to support it. But it was definitely like a waning thing. Like, I mean, had that been all there was, I think to this day, I think I think my love of Star Wars to this day, if it was just the, those three films, would be akin to my love of the first two Ghostbuster films, where it's like I can still talk They're about them at the times and rewatch them, but it's kind of a, it's tapped out. You know, that's there's only so much you mm-hmm. could you could really go with that. Yeah. So getting the prequels was like like episode one was definitely my foot down the door. Like now there's all this different merchandise and everywhere yeah. you go, and that's so many different discussions, uh, different episodes for themselves. But for you, basically, you're saying that that Force Awakens Force was Awakens your did. sort of like like welcome to Star Wars moment. Yeah. For and, you and personally, and as time go as time has went on since 2015 when that movie came out, I think I, I know I saw it five times in theater. It might have been six. But what's cool about it five is five times, five times, five times, five times, five times. What's that from? Booker T. Oh, okay. I don't know how many people listen to wrestling or watch wrestling, but uh, yeah. But what's what's so unique about Force Awakens is like you know me and Josh are the kind of people to see movies at the theater repeatedly. You know the the most logical person out there would go, why spend so much money to see it more than once? <laughs> Going to the you cinema know? is amazing. But I miss it. in the case of Force Awakens, it was so good. That my entire family, barring I don't Noah probably didn't care as much, but my mom and my dad, they my mom, my dad, and Creighton, they wanted to see it a second time. They wanted to go to theater. Oh, to get, my dad cried during Force Awakens, and then when we got out of Force Awakens, as he wipes the tears away, he's like, "If they had that movie to purchase on the way out to take home, I'd pay a hundred dollars right now." <laughs> so like, it was just this amazing oh, moment. Cool. We took my grandparents to see it; they loved it. Um, and then as you know, next year Rogue One came out, which as Josh could could say, um, my first impression of Rogue One wasn't great. I, I think it was a combination of what I was going through in life. I just had a new, I just got a new girlfriend, and also that I didn't know what to expect with that movie. Now I love Rogue One, but you know, Rogue One, and then Last Jedi came around. And what's so interesting about this? It's funny. I'm making 30 minutes. We haven't got to Mandalorian yet. I know, but, but it's cool, dude. I mean, it, um, it's a it's a Brian so Star Wars episode. So it's, I'm I'm really glad you guys are getting to hear this. this uh, cool. Yeah, dude. This is this is so, nice this for is me cathartic. to listen to again. <laughs> yeah, this is cathartic for me. Yeah, um, so when we got to Last Jedi, what's so interesting about it is when I'm sitting there in the theater for Last Jedi, I am so so excited to see this movie. The trailers have been straight fire. 
and I'm watching the movie and I enjoy it the whole way through, but I'm constantly questioning decisions as I'm watching the movie. I'm like, why is Hux acting like this? That joke didn't land. Canto bites kind of weird. You know, all the stuff you guys have heard a million times over. Uh, you know, Luke throwing the lightsaber over his back and then drinking green milk was shocking, you know? And I'm watching this movie and I'm Hell thinking yeah, great that green milk, man. Yeah, the whole the whole the whole way through I'm thinking, this movie's like not what I expected, and I'm kind of upset with this and upset with that. And then as soon as the movie was over, we got in the car and me and my brother were like, That movie wasn't that great. Like me and my brother were saying that. Well, Creighton stuck to that, and to this day he he does not give a he never wants to watch it again. He thinks it's crap. Um, but for me, I was like, I miss Creighton. I, <laughs> for me, I couldn't stop thinking about The Last Jedi. It was weird. Like, I was like, yeah, I'm disappointed with a lot, but I can't stop thinking about it. I saw Last Jedi, I think, four times in the theater. And I think at least once, if not two of those times, I went by myself. I'm like, I just need to analyze this movie. I did that when I saw Desolation of Smog. I went and saw okay. it myself. Yeah. It's a fun and, experience. Uh, we, we, it is. We don't. Uh, that's another topic for another time. But man, it is going to the cinema by yourself is a. It feels weird and awkward, but man, when you do it, it's so cool. Yeah, so I like fun. it. It's yeah, I like it. Um, and Erica did that all the time before she met me. She said, and I. She said, you know, people judge you for. She says she really enjoys it. You know, just going super by yourself. fun. Yeah. Um, don't have to but deal last, with extra shit. The thing, the thing that I learned over time, that I thank Rehan Johnson for so much is like. He got me to think about a Star Wars movie a lot. Like, when I saw Force Awakens, it was just straight fire to me. I loved it. I saw it over and over again. Book is open and shut. When I saw Last Jedi, I was upset with many things, but I just, I wanted to be analytical about that movie. I wanted to keep, I'm like, why? Why do I have so many problems with this movie, but I keep going back to see it? It just, it just, it was thought-provoking. It was a very thought-provoking movie for me. Uh, So I really, you know, ultimately by the time, you know, a few months after Last Jedi, I was in the camp, you know, I like Last Jedi too. And then I saw Solo and I thought Solo, like, I can't even, I can't even be objective. Solo to me is just like, for what the concept of that film is, it's just a 10-10. It was just good all the way through. I had no complaints. My dad just watched that yesterday and I was like, did you like it? Uh, He saw it. He's seen it. It's probably the second time he's seen it. He's like, yeah, I liked it. I was like, yeah, good. Solo (laughs) is so good. It sounds like your dad. Yeah, I liked it. You know, uh, three three out of five or whatever he says. You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, four out of five. Uh, getting to the end of the uh, getting to the portal scene in the end game after this whole year of watching like twenty plus Marvel movies, and I'm like, how amazing was that? He's like, not bad. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Continue. Um, but uh, so you know, I love I love Solo, and then Mandalorian came out. And me and Josh were like, as you you just go back our third episode ever, we talked about the Mandalorian. Like that was. You know, me and Josh were all about that, and then Rise of Skywalker came out, and I saw Rise of Skywalker, and I really loved it. Um, though what's so interesting is, when I watched Rise of Skywalker the first time, I walked out of it just like, that was a great movie. I loved everything about it, and I had no complaints. But then, a month, it took me a month to go back to see it a second time, and then I never saw it again. And I was just like, in retrospect, I'm like, you know, there's something to be said about how J.J. brought me that instant satisfaction with with uh, Rise of Skywalker and how Rian Johnson did not. But Rian Johnson's movie, it's like it's like Rian Johnson's other movie, Knives Out, where, where uh, uh, Daniel Craig's like, it compels me, though, you know, <laughs> because it's like Rian Johnson's movie, it, would, it, it took up space in my head and it made me think about it for I'm still thinking about it, honestly. And that just that's a sign of a good movie to me because I saw it five times. I couldn't stop thinking about it. You know, Rise of Skywalker, it was just open and shut. You know, two times, I'm, I'm done. 
Uh, there wasn't much to think about. It just is what it is. So, I don't know. I like all the movies. Um, obviously, they have problems, just like old movies have. I mean, the original trilogy has some problems. I mean, we could go on and on about that. No one ever wants to give Empire Strikes Back criticism, but it has it too. No, yeah, all, all the movies yeah, have uh, issues. So, uh, of course, some more than others. But, uh, yeah, so that's my whole journey. Um, I but guess to take us in the Mandalorian discussion, I was going to say, just to segue okay. with that, is that you have told me recently, Brian told me recently, guys, that he was like, Josh, he's like, he's like, here's the thing, man. He's like, last year, as Mandalorian's coming out, you know, I'm thinking Din Djarin's my favorite character, like in all Star Wars, my favorite. But it felt too hyperbolic at the time to say so. It's brand new. But now we're in the second season. He's my favorite character, dude. Like, I'm just solidified in it. So you kind of heard Brian kind of giving us his journey as, as, as he kind of got to this point as we're going to talk about Mandalorian. But uh, Mandalorian is a big deal for you because your favorite Star Wars character is uh, in this show. Yeah, I never, you know, it was weird for be, there being so much Star Wars content. There's never, I hesitate to use the word related because I am, I, I, I bear no similarities to Din Jaren in any way. I'm just going to get that out there. Duh. Um, but the, I've never really like fully related to a character because I'm like, like Luke was awesome, but I didn't, I could never say a character was my favorite. When Josh first asked me back when we met, I said, ah, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess Luke, cause I couldn't think of anybody, mm-hmm. you know, um, I like Anakin, but he wasn't my favorite, you know? And then the pre, uh, the, the sequels came out and I was like, I love Ray and I love Kylo in fact, I like Kylo the most, but he's not the he's not the center character. Which that's not it's not a problem. It's just sometimes it's easier to uh, attach yourself to a center character. I feel like just because they're the center of the the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so so really, up until the Mandalorian, I would have said you know I I think Kylo is my favorite character, but it still wasn't like a complete fit for me. But then then when the Mandalorian came out and as that went on, I'm like this this kind of speaks to all the things I like about a character. He also kind of reminds me of. Uh, you know, other characters from other series uh, and and just the, the way he... Somebody mentioned on uh, Twitter that uh, it's a show feels like a video game. And I, I kind of get that. He's going on side quests. He's upgrading his armor. You know. I love it. I mean, I think the whole great thing about The Mandalorian is the fact that the main character is literally like a, a minor character. You yeah. have characters like Ahsoka and, and Boba Fett and all these other people who are more bigger names, who have bigger things going on. But you have this minor character who's got this kid, and he cannot stop making best friends. <laughs> yeah, <just> yeah, <laughs> right. And, you know, that that's what really solidified him as my favorite character because – we have now watched a season where you see Boba Fett, Bo-Katan, Ahsoka. You hear about Thrawn. Um, and after all that, I just want to know what's going on with Din. Like when I wa- like my favorite part of the Bo-Katan episode, of the Ahsoka episode, of the, the episode we just watched with Boba Fett. My favorite part of the episode was Din Djarin. And like I – this is another thing I'll say that – this is one of those things – me and Josh like to do this where we're like, okay, Brian, okay, Josh – I have this thought right now that hasn't been hasn't gestated long enough, so I, I can't commit to the thought. But here's what's on my mind, you know, because some people, you know, they, you know, you get your you get your filthy casuals that walk out of a movie, and the second they walk in the theater, they go, "That's my favorite one," and then they oh, go to I the can't next roll with that, yeah, yeah, and then they go to the next movie a year later, and they're like, "That's my favorite one," and you're like, "Dude, I don't take anything." I need the discourse. Yeah, give me give me time. But right now, it feels like, despite. This season being literally God tier, I could see. I've been rewatching it. I could see um, the Mandalorian season one 
being my favorite Star Wars content ever. Because for me, The Mandalorian Season 1, that's Din Djarin's movie. That's his that's his season. That 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 see think about that season. That season exists to set him up as his character. That is his story in the universe of Star Wars. That's you know his build up to his name, to his face reveal, what he's about, him changing as a character, him getting his full Beskar armor. They they did it properly by giving us that season, giving us that character development, and then season two is like okay now we're going to expand the universe. We have we've given Din his season. Now we can go into the other stuff. So, because like I love this season, and there's definitely been more hype moments in this one, and I have no complaints. Um, but it hasn't been Din season. I think that's a little crazy to say it's just been Din season because it's been it's been his, but also everyone else's season. You know, like I agree and I disagree. Like, it, but in a good way. Like I look at it like the Dark Knight to Batman Begins. Like Batman Begins is very much a Batman film. Yeah. But if you actually watch the Dark Knight, it's not about Batman, and he's a part yeah. of it, but he's so yeah. overshadowed by the joker and just you know the build up of two-face and stuff like that you know harvey dent that uh, you know it translates to this whereas the second season you have all these other characters who aren't actually taking over the story it's just that they're so such important characters that they steal the show like it's it's nothing it's it's nothing that that din jaren isn't doing as character that the writing team's not doing the the writing has been aces it's just the fact that these are such big names that they're going to steal the show simply by just showing their face. So it's not yeah. to take away from him. Yeah. It's still, totally. a, it's still a show about Din Djarin and Grogu, but it's, it's getting overshadowed in some ways by that stuff. So in not and, a bad way, but I see where you're coming from. I, I will say for, for many shows and movies, I mean, mostly shows for many shows out there, um, doing the whole introducing big characters and then they end up doing like a spinoff show or they end up taking their story in a direction. I would say Mandalorian so far has done a really good job of making me believe it makes sense Din has come across them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like he comes across Bo-Katan because he's looking for Mandalorians. I mean, obviously it makes sense he was led there. Um, he comes across Ahsoka because Bo-Katan knows Ahsoka and told him well, about Well, things like her. Boba Fett showing up definitely make a lot more sense now when you look back to like just this recent episode and you look back to episode one and I forget her name off the top of my head, guys, but... When the female uh, from Agents of Shield, Fennec, Fennec, yeah, Fennec, thank you. Yeah. When she dies, and you see just the body at the end of the episode, this like but their foot basically kind of walk yeah. up, and you're wondering who is that person. Well, by the end of the season, you kind of forget about it. A year passes, you kind of forget about it, and then what's so great is something they they do so brilliantly. I think in these is that before every episode they do the previously on, but it's not just what was on the last episode. It's you're, you're getting clues as to what content is going to be put in yep. the in the episode, yep. and they kind of segue into that with this latest one, and you get to see like Boba Fett, so you can see him organically, kind of being there. They already had him planned; it was just a matter of building up to him, you know. Yeah, you make a good point. I think that's why it's really interesting to talk about that, like that episode five from season one that did have Fennec, and you know how she just kind of shows up and dies, and everyone's just like, "Oh, that's a bad filler episode," and. Um, we're starting to kind that of was see... was at the time considered to be the worst episode. Of the yeah, episode. I mean, that's that's on everyone's <laughs> list is like the worst episode, followed yeah. by the, you know, Grogu eating eggs uh, episode. But those both those episodes are seen as like filler episodes, but so far they're they're kind of proving that, in a sense, none, no episodes are filler, you know? And I saw a lot of people on Twitter give them crap that this episode would just be another filler episode, which it definitely was not. Um, but, uh, I don't know, Josh. Okay. We're going, we're already, we're going so far into the Mandalorian. Let's, let's go back to 
the first episode, and let's just kind of organically ramp up there because we have a lot we could say about all this, and we've just enjoyed the first heck episode out of, of this season or first yeah, episode of this okay. season. So um, obviously, guys, just a I think most of you will know this because of the time you're listening, but just to put it out there, we have just finished um, episode what is it six of the new season, which is the one where. Grogu was just taken. Yeah, if away I'm not mistaken, it would technically be Typhon. chapter 14. Typhon, am I saying the, that? Yes, on Tython. Tython, Tython. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's where we're at. So we haven't seen the last the two tragedy. episodes. So if you're listening to this after the season's over, we haven't watched the last two episodes yet. We will voice our opinion on that, though, in another episode. But, anyways, so first episode, um, and I, I want to kind of, I feel like I've been talking a lot more, Josh. So I kind of want to let Don't you worry, get in here, but. First hey, episode. I, I can talk about this stuff all the time. It's nice to listen to you. I think, once again, it's early. I can't commit to this as being my final say, but I think first episode of this season is objectively the most quality episode of the season in my It was straight opinion. fire, dude. Literally. I think it's the best. And I think the length got everyone excited initially. The length, right? the scale, the visuals, the story, the characters, the we plot. We got to see a Kray dragon finally. It felt like felt like such a homage to KOTOR because there's a side quest, Brian, where you're on Tatooine and this one guy, this, uh, this Twi'lek is trying to kill a Kray dragon. looks completely different. It looks like an it looks looks like a dragon. You know, like how, you, you, how you'd imagine one. It looks like how you'd imagine one to be. Mm-hmm. So and you go and do this side quest and the whole point is the way you prove this is with the Kray dragon pearl. And what do they do in the episode? Those Tusken Raiders dig out the fucking great dragon. Ooh, pearl. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it was cool. really, really cool. And I mean, it, they were both completely different, yet still had the kind of broad stroke symmetry. And it was so cool. And then also on top of it, I mean, feel free to interrupt me anytime here because I'm gonna go all over the place. But you had Cobb Vanth who shows up in the aftermath books, and it was so cool to get to. Now, know I know that, about this from Blue Harvest. Continue. Yeah, and shout out to them because if you guys aren't listening to them, that's the Star Wars podcast you need to go listen to. I'm telling. That's you. my favorite everyone, Star Wars podcast of all time. If anyone's got, I know if anyone's listening to this and, and you're listening to this not just because you like us, but because you want to hear you, you like Star Wars and stuff like that, you probably have your own podcast you're already listening to. But I'm telling you guys, check out Blue Harvest. Brian, back me up. Anyway, it was really cool to see that because. Uh, as we're kind of going to get into it more with some Ahsoka stuff, more with some Boba stuff, like it's just they're starting to do things. Uh, it's kind of kicked off, I think, more with Solo, but this that first episode really solidified. Like, okay, they, they're really trying to take parts from the animation, parts from like the novels, comics, and all that stuff, and you're starting to see some of that actually slowly fill. Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't think of the word for it, but find, slowly find its way into yeah. live action. They're doing. It's amazing. A proper. They're properly, at least in my opinion, they're properly building a universe. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, it's all (laughs) funneling in. Yeah, they're properly building a universe, expanding universe in the way I would want them to. Mm -hmm. Um, It just works really well. I love Cobb Vanth, man. I know he doesn't have like he doesn't. He's not a real Mandalorian. He doesn't have his own armor. I think he's really cool. It's the act. I can't forget Timothy Oliphant. He's just. Do you like him? He's not, well, you know, I've always been middle ground with him. Like he just seems he seems like he could play a really smooth guy, kinda like he does there. But then he also can play an asshole. Okay. So based on only this episode great. is all I know of him. Oh I okay. loved him. Yeah. I don't know awesome. him from anything else. Yeah. So. He was in like Deadwood, that popular HBO series. Never like saw that. it. So Girl Next Door, a lot of other stuff. Yeah. So but just um, off this episode, I, I love I love him. And the Craig awesome. Dragon looked amazing. It looked like it was movie budget quality. 
Uh, couldn't tell the difference. And also, you said it was like a homage to, well, yeah, the Pearl obviously was a homage to KOTOR, but like my first thought was we saw the Crate Dragon exoskeleton in the original Star Wars. Correct. Right? Yeah, and you even hear, you even hear what's awesome is you even hear the yell that Obi-Wan does. You know, you hear the crate dragon yell. You can kind of hear that at times mm. in the episode, and it was amazing to hear that. Yeah, so it, it enhances that. But yes, you did see the exoskeleton in there, so it was really cool for I guess canon now to finally get uh, put a sense of a visual identity to that exoskeleton mm-hmm. from A New Hope. You it know, also made me love the Tusken Raiders even more. I already love. Oh them. yeah, we got we got so in depth even more with the Tuscan Raiders, not just the sign language. I mean, we got that in season one, but you're really getting to see like how they live and stuff like that. Dude, my dad laughs hysterically they at, talk? The little, at the littlest things. So I was ex- I was waiting with bated breath, excited for him to see the scene where the Tuscan Raider brings out the I can't remember what they're called the the beast, the thing for the bait. Oh, the, the Bantha dragon. Was yeah. it the Banthas? Bantha, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he brings the bantha out, and then the crate dragon comes out and eats the raider instead of the yeah. bantha. Yeah. I was waiting for my dad to lose it. Deadpan face expresses nothing, and I couldn't believe it. Oh, really? I thought for sure I laughed when I first saw it. So yeah. I, but yeah, I don't know, dude. The, the episode had the scale, the humor that had the the cameo with Boba at yeah. the end. Yeah, I was gonna say let's talk let's talk about that. But let's backstep it a bit. What made that so cool? On top of just the story it had. It brings you back to Tatooine. So first and foremost, like we were saying earlier, you had Tatooine in season one, and that episode that Tatooine was in felt like a filler episode. This makes it, this kind of sets up to show later on, it very much wasn't a filler episode. It makes sense. You know? And now we see kind of more of Tatooine, and it was really cool to see this other little town, this other, like, Mos, you know, because you have, like, Mos Eisley, and, you know, you have... This was the episode with uh, with the Dr. Mantis, right? The, the big cockroach man? <laughs> mantis? Uh, the big praying mantis dude? No, was that, that, was in a, that was like two episodes later, I think. Really? Well, no, it was the, it was the it was second episode. It was the second episode. It was? I think. No, maybe you're right. I think it's the first episode, no, dude. You, because he right. lands I think there. you're right, Brian. I, either way, either way, that's, that's yeah. a thing. Yeah, that was, okay. that was yeah. awesome to see. But no, it's cool because Sorry, you dude. get... No, no, no. Uh, I, think, I think you are right on that. But uh, so you get to... You get to Tatooine and you're seeing all this stuff, right? Well, it's the moment you see this guy show up in, in Boba Fett armor. Like, you're teased just like him. Like, there's a Mandalorian there. And you're like, who is What Mandalorian is on Tatooine? There's got to be something to this. Well, for a lot of people, it's like Boba Fett. Now, Boba Fett was never technically a Mandalorian. His father was in old canon. But he never was. But still, when you hear that, for you got to think, you know, common folk in the galaxy are going to see Mandalorian armor and think that's a Mandalorian. Hence why they said a Mandalorian was on Tatooine. So, yeah, so you get there and you see this guy standing in the doorway. And at first I'm like, aren't you a little small? Like, you look really, really tiny, dude, really lanky. But, uh, but just seeing the armor, I'm like, I was literally like, that's Boba Fett's armor. Yeah. I'm like, that's fucking Boba Fett. I was freaking out. You know, and as you get further into the episode... I'm thinking, like, are they gonna do something with Boba Fett or not? Like, because you don't show that and have give people that moment that you know they're that reaction that you know they're gonna have uh-huh. without trying to do something with that. And then at the very end of the episode, you see this guy watching as he sails. As he just and the aspect off. ratio changes. Yeah, yes, that was perfect too. And he turns around. And it's Boba Fett, and it just leaves you on the edge of your seat, and you're like, "Wow!" At this point, you feel like anything could happen at this season. Yeah, dude, it was a perfect stinger, and like this is a 
I'm mostly focusing on this episode, but obviously there's a hint of later episode when I say this, but like they made me, not only did they prove that uh, Boba's actually a badass later on, but between this scene and the later on scenes, I actually, despite loving the armor and wanting him to wear the armor, I'm like, you've you've sold me on armorless Boba now. Armorless Boba is a badass. Armorless. I think Boba's that was awesome. the way to do it too. Is like, yeah, because I finally like, get I'm, to see an it's adult the character. Version it's not the armor, and it's played by the same actor, and he's aged so much since playing Django. Yeah, you know, and playing these clones. That like it's the perfect age for Boba Fett. Amazing. Like, it, it, the, it just couldn't have been more like the stars couldn't have been more in alignment for that to happen. And getting to see it's him again and even hear his voice when you do in later episodes, I was like, oh my god, crying. I'm so happy right and now. And I, I'm, you know? I'm, go, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Go no, ahead. no, no, you're okay. Go ahead. I was just saying, I'm so happy for all those OG longtime Boba Fett fans like Hawes, like Hawes from Blue Harvest. I know, because I was thinking about that because. In my opinion, and maybe they won't like hearing this. In my opinion, they never really had a, a, a really great reason to be big fans of him, no, other than know, he looked badass. Okay, I agree. I, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'll say in addition, though, the thing I've always noticed with him is that yes, he didn't. He never really got to do anything cool that gave people a justifiable reason, I suppose, yeah. to like him. However, Star Wars is a is filled with characters that that people seen just for a moment. Uh, and and would love they literally have I think his name was Wilrow Hood I, I could be misquoting that name, but there is a guy that is running with actually an ice cream maker in Empire Strikes Back that you see for like two seconds, and he became such a big deal that at conventions they would have what's called the Wilrow Run, and it would be a thing where people would actually run around with the ice cream maker. It was a race, and now you get to actually see like in the first season of Mandalorian. Uh, the the thing that ha- the, the sort of container that has the Beskar steel in it that the uh, old Imperial man uh, gives it, it that's the same type of container they sort of canonize that container wow. or, you know recanonize it or give it show you kind of what kind of how that looks on its interior and stuff like that so there's so much like one part of me is like okay yeah people never there was never a real reason to really like Boba we never really got to see him do anything but. There are so many different characters that have never done anything yeah. that you've seen for even less time yeah, that people less, love. Well, the, what, what I'm trying to say is less of a diss on those people. It's more on a you guys it's loved like people people like Hawes, uh, you loved this character. They were your favorite character for so long, and all you had to back it up really was how cool they were. Now, now you have, hey, my favorite character is also a badass character, helmet on and helmet off, and it's on live action now. Yep. And you were there from the beginning, so now when you know all these Boba fans come out of the woodwork, oh, I love Boba, well, he's gotta, my favorite. Yeah, like, you, gotta, you were there to begin with, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's good to bear in mind too that like we at one point did have a Boba Fett movie being worked on and stuff like that, yeah. and it didn't get to happen. So I think for especially for people like Hawes, for the huge Mandalorian and Boba fans, just in general, like. Getting to see that moment was just so cool. Because and, and overall, I mean, we haven't even talked about it, but the the coolest thing about it was in old canon, Boba never did die to Sarlacc Pit, you know. And then in new canon, it's been implied for like six years that he escaped it, but we never knew. And then we finally got official confirmation when he showed now, up. And it's I was going to ask. So well, I got cool. two things I want to say. Okay. First, let me state that man, did Disney get such a great deal with that four billion dollar purchase of Star Wars? Because we often forget because they made all the old canon legend. We all we 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 dismiss that a lot, but they also purchased this giant endless well of decades worth of material other people have worked on that they can now reincorporate like we've seen 
in The Mandalorian, which is so amazing. That's the statement. The second thing I was going to say is, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting it, Josh. That's okay. I forget what I was going to say. It was based on Boba. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, I want to see your opinion on this. Um, I like how they didn't ever, they didn't do like a, like let's picture, let's picture a fan version of The Mandalorian, you know. The scene opens up with a Sarlacc pit. And then there's scattered armor pieces around it. And later we find out, we find Boba. We go on a search for Boba and we find him. And then he tells us the story of how he escaped the Sarlacc pit. That is so uninteresting and so unoriginal. And I love that what they did was, is they they respected the viewer enough to, you can put the pieces together right now. Obviously he didn't die in the Sarlacc pit. But due to what happened there, somehow he lost the armor. Now he's trying to get it back. He did. He's also damaged, whether that's from the Sarlacc or other things. You know, they've just, they've made it, rather than hold our hand and tell a story that didn't need to be told, they've they've put it together for us. They've given us the pieces to fill it out. Now, my question to you is, you know, do you, my, my answer is no, but do you want him to later say like, oh yeah, I was in the boat, I was in the Sarlacc pit and I managed to escape and then I was taken in. But do you want that story or do you want it to be? Left I don't need it. If they if they decide to mention it, like if he ever gets asked, like what's up with your face, <laughs> like what do you look like <laughs> what's that. Wrong with your face. What's wrong with your face. Uh, if they ever ask him that kind of thing, if that ever gets brought up, then yeah, I mean, then by all means, you know, kind of reference uh, a Sarlacc thing, but it doesn't need to be done because if if you if you're the most minuscule fan of Star Wars. You know that he went down a Sarlacc pit, and you know, seeing him on Tatooine again, that this guy has probably spent those past years, like the six years or whatever, scouring that damn planet trying to find his arm. I love how he pronounces Tatooine. Yeah. He's like, Tatooine. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, dude. Well, we'll get to episode five. I'm going to say I'm gonna say more of the Boba Fett stuff for episode five. But Do we want to wrap up episode one here? Yeah, but I'll say, oh, yeah, I'll say overall for me, I mean, it was just really, really, really cool. I think it really set the tone to for where this season was going to go because it made it feel like it could go anywhere. When they when it initially was going to Tatooine, you know, I'm thinking like like it, it doesn't start out that way, obviously. It goes to the the sort of club and you have the Gamorrean boxing sort of like wrestling match if you will, which is really cool to see. A lot of this show uh feels like uh the Star Wars role-playing game I've done and just it, and it just feels like those kind of adventures, you know, they're not like the main quest, but they're this character who's a, like we already kind of talked about. It's like a side character going on side adventures. Mm-hmm. And it's just so cool. I feel like every time I watch Mandalorian, I'm watching a book story come to life. I'm watching a comic book story come to life, a video game, something that's not like galaxy defining. I'm watching this yeah. adventure get told. So, uh it was really cool, but when he's going to Tatooine, I'm thinking like a Mandalorian on Tatooine, and that's why I started thinking Boba, even though Boba's not. So that episode was just so satisfying. It had so many reveals, and I also just love that scene with Cobb Vance, where he's like, you know, I hope we cross across paths again. You know, like yeah. by the end of it, they became friends. So yeah, what are your overall thoughts on that episode? Yeah, I, I think, like I said, I think objectively for me, it's the strongest episode. It had everything you wanted. It had the scale. It had the budget. The length. It had the cameos. What's that Cobb shot thing. of like him and Cobb in their armor, just like you jetpacking up to yeah. go fight? Oh, it was just so cool. It was a great way to start the season, and and also I think the the payoff for Boba later was so much better because we got to see, you know, there's that scene in the beginning of this episode where like the helmet gets set down on the table and the camera's about to pan up, and you're like, oh man, is this Boba? 
and it's not Boba. And it's almost like, are you going to really do this to me? Are you going to not give me Boba? Yeah, and I was supposed to say, that episode, you, don't, tease, you don't do that. For real. You don't do that to people without having some kind of agenda there. And they did, and there was a payoff, yeah. and that's why it Big made it payoff. satisfying. So, uh, Episode two is the egg episode, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, the egg now, episode. I, I remember the entirety of this episode. I'm, I'm not quite sure how it opens. I loved it, this episode. I freaking loved this I don't think episode. it was weak at all. When I got done, and now I, we're saying this, you, we're saying this, guys, because in, in, out of context, this is considered by most to be the, the filler episode of the season or the sort of weakest one. And people and really hated the egg thing. Yeah, the egg thing for me was like a little overdone, but I did find the, the joke in of itself funny. Okay. But it was perfectly fine. I was so, I had so much fun with that episode because getting to see those spiders that had been in Ralph McQuarrie's concept art for, I think, Empire Strikes Back. Seeing those realized on screen was just terrifying. Did you know that? The, yeah, you have that look on your face. Things? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll I, try I to. Yeah, I'll try to. Why don't you tell me your thoughts real quick overall? Why hunt that up on the episode? Yeah, I mean, I just think it was a really enjoyable, solid episode. I mean, I think, I think if this episode was near the beginning of season one, we wouldn't really be talking about how it was filler. We'd just be talking about how it was a good Star Wars episode. Mm-hmm. We got to see. Uh, X-Wings, we got to see Dave Filoni uh, be a pilot in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Second time, actually, I think. I loved the aesthetic of the chilled, like, wh- wh- what planet are they even on when he's I can't remember it? the name of it off the top of my okay. head. Okay, like I the can't. chilled armor and the yeah. chilled uh, um, ship. Um, I love that. I love the frog lady. Everyone loves the frog lady. Uh, <laughs> I did not think I'd like her as much as I did. Yeah, I know. Check out, check out that really picture real quick while we're recording this. But um, I sent it to you on Facebook. But, okay. Yeah, yeah. I dude, I loved all that frog lady. Uh, we see the payoff in the following episode. But dude, she ended up being super, super cool. And plus, it was just cool. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah, the spider creature is really cool. Yeah. Like so I, picture. Um, it was awesome getting to see that. I'm like, as soon as I saw that giant ass spider, I got like. Return of the King Shelob feelings. And I was just like, oh, these giant yeah. spiders are terrifying, dude. I remember when Skyrim came out, This one of my friends was uh, telling me how a buddy of his was so creeped out by the big spiders in Skyrim that he modded them to just be bears that would bounce around. He just had <laughs> janky bears bouncing around, you know, because he didn't like it. So the whole rac- for arachnophobia, you know, for those who have that, like, yeah, wow, what an episode. episode. Yeah. And especially when they're trying to pour in on the little baby ones. And that that's just a horrifying episode. And every time stuff like that happens, I'm like, man, Din Jaren just, he sees shit. And you can't see it in his eyes because he's got the helmet on. But this guy has he's seen, so, I think about the very first episode of the series when he's in the ship trying to escape with Mr. Blue Man. Yeah. And that big thing comes out of the the sort of ice water and he has to get on his uh he gets his uh gun and he has to like shoot it while he's still on the ship and i'm just like this guy deals with this shit like every day pretty much it's amazing it's, he's alive yeah it's amazing he's alive so um i thought it was great i i liked that uh we got to have her frog lady story i forget her name but we got kind of got to see that uh, like she you know, used that robot to talk that was neat that was a nice uh, tie. Again, that was a nice tie into the first season. Especially it's since really, the robot's gone now. I was just going to say, I think that like further enhances that in of itself too, right? Because when you go back and watch that season, that episode was very self-contained. But then now when you see that droid, you're going to think like, oh, this guy, you're going to see more from him, even though he's kind of like 
a waste in a sense. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, back yeah, to you, man. I just like the whole aesthetic of it. It, it. The the whole entire like ice cave with the spiders he was in. It felt like a it felt like a place you go in a video game, man. It just felt like. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, dude, it felt like Dark like, Souls to me. Honestly, it felt like a, a tabletop experience. Like you enter a cave, you know, and it's dark and crystallized, and the players are like. Uh, do we see anything strange? And you, you know, if you roll a success, you're like, you notice uh, what looks to be some some eggs, yeah. maybe, or some kind of like living. It gave me alien thing. vibes too. You know, the eggs and aliens. Yes, in little baby Yoda kind of screwing up there. Fuck, oh, it reminded dude, me of. Who was hilarious? What were we gonna say? Were, oh, I was gonna say, it reminded me of. Um, oh. reminded me of the the snowman from Rudolph. Dude, dude, I was just. Gonna, is that what you were say? <laughs> I was just gonna say that because no, get this, dude. We're sitting there watching. I'm watching it with my dad. Because he's never seen, he hasn't seen it yet. I've already seen it. We're watching okay. it. And Yoda starts scooting down the ice. And my yeah. dad's like, that reminds me of the snowman from Rudolph. Yeah. And I look dude. at it and I go, silver and gold, silver and gold. And my dad starts laughing. Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> that's so oh, man. I'm glad we no, it was, a, it was a great episode. I loved I loved how the, uh, the Republic guys came down. And he's like, I don't, I don't remember how he says it, but he's like, I should arrest you, but these are trying times. Love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that would not be the last time we've seen that guy. So yeah, yeah, pretty cool overall. I, I mean, not as much to say about that episode, but it was definitely cool. And I, I didn't. Yeah, it felt like filler in one sense. But you know what I like about this show, guys, is that like the filler episodes never quite like. Yeah, I see where where the argument comes from, but it's a show that doesn't need to rush itself. And I very much think maybe I'll be proven wrong by the end of the season. In the next time we record about this stuff, but I think the show itself is less about the destination, more about the journey these two characters have. You know, so I don't mind there being these episodes like, yeah, we can't see him just get to this planet right away. We got to have he's he's going to crash and something else, a side quest is going to happen. See, that's why I feel like it's hard to review. Like it's hard to review this episode because like if we were doing it on like a ten scale, you know, I'm guessing no one would give this episode a ten. But what did it do wrong? It didn't really do anything wrong. I know. I, I guess oh, I would probably give it an eight. Fine ass uh, frog lady taking a bath. I was like, what? She's like, yeah. I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go take a bath. Get these babies heated up. Okay. I need to. I need to post a clip of that scene. But like, but the, like overlaid music. Like, <laughs> can't, like careless, careless whisper. whisper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a good episode. Um, let's see. So the third episode. That's the Bo-Katan episode. Bo-Katan. Uh, showing up in live action. Wow, man. Amazing to see Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica fame, Riddick fame. Uh, I have always liked her. Uh, super attractive. She's in one of she's in one of my parents' favorite shows of all time, Longmire. Oh, yeah, she is in Longmire. I haven't seen that, but uh, I think my dad has. So, yeah, that was huge to see. And I think for Mandalorian fans especially who have been with the Clone Wars and stuff like that, you're going to start to see this stuff in Season 3. So I'm excited. That's why I was really. That's why I messaged you last night. I was like, "Have you started yet?" But getting to see the just okay. I'll say this, and we'll get back on subject. But when you get to Clone Wars season three, a lot of people didn't like the first half because they felt like there was a lot of politics within like Mandalore, and you know, it's the same people who really didn't enjoy a lot of the politics in the prequels. Yeah. But everything that comes after, it's you're so much better for getting to have that set up and stuff like that. So getting to see Bo-Katan, what was that like for you, Brian? Um, yeah, so I was, obviously, as you guys know, I, I haven't watched all the Clone Wars, you know, so I can't call myself like a huge Clone Wars fan or anything like that. But I was aware of who Bo-Katan was. So when she... You will be. Yeah, when she pulled off her... You will uh, be. <laughs> 
And she pulls off her helmet. I'm like, that's that's that uh, that's that character from Clone Wars, you know. And she's like, I'm Bo-Katan. I'm that's like, that that's redheaded gal there. That's Bo-Katan, you know. Um, yeah, that was really cool. That that it kind of that was the moment in this season, I think, for everyone where they're like, wait a minute, this isn't gonna just be the Mandalorian. Like this, some shit's going down. Like we've already seen Boba, and now we've seen Bo-Katan. Things are getting, and nobody would have believed you're gonna see Ahsoka, you know, right next, not too much later. Um, but yeah, that was really cool. I love the music that played whenever her and her two compatriots were with her. Uh, amazing music. Um, I, we skipped past it, but that I loved the sequence of uh, Din landing on the planet really fast at the beginning, <laughs> where he like gets all the way down there, and then he just accidentally goes in the water, and the fish dude's like, I am... The calamari dude's Do like, not like him. Do not like him. Oh, yeah? Why not? Because <laughs> I remember by the, well, by the end of the episode, he's just like, calamari. You know, he's just like yeah. the way he like tries to to, to repurpose yeah. that ship and, and repair yeah, it. It's like terrible. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like too bad it was the ship wasn't blown up when it looked like that. Jeez, he made the inside of the ship look like the Captain Ron movie. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I was waiting for I was waiting for Davy Jones to come out of there. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, so that was really good. Um, I I do think it's kind of crazy to think that like how if it wasn't for Bo Katan and the two uh, Mandalorians with her. Uh, <laughs> Din Djarin and Baby Yoda would have literally died. I mean, they were about to die. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. You know? No, it definitely is. Episode was big for me because when I got to... When we got to the end of the finale for season one, guys, right? You see Moff Gideon come out. He's got the Darksaber. Well, if you've watched Clone Wars and Rebels, you know how big of a deal the Darksaber becomes. And you know that it ends up in the hands of Bo. So when I was watching that finale and you see that closing shot for the first time, I was, I was like, okay, so Bo-Katan's dead? Like, what happened? Like, there's a story there to be told we don't know about. So for a year, you know, like a lot of people, I'm having to wait and wonder. And I put in the back of my mind, well, then they literally have her on screen. And then that's when we start to get more Moff Gideon stuff. And you get to learn that her motivation is very much to get this Darksaber. So there's a story there about how she lost it. And I don't think it needs to necessarily be told. But my point is, is that that was very cool to see. It was very cool to see that she was not only alive, but she was... Katie did such a good job of bringing Bo-Katan from the animated series to life. Like I felt, felt like, like the same character. It did, it, and I felt the same way with Ahsoka. I know not everyone is going to feel the same way with these things, but I felt that way, and it was really self gratifying to see that because again, it makes it everything feel more interconnected that you're seeing this animated character finally on screen. Like we get to see her before we get to see Ahsoka. So this was just cool enough itself. You get to learn that she really wants that dark saber. Yeah, she obviously lost it somehow, but you know that she's got a motivation of hating this guy, which leads me to think, okay, like we can we can speculate that she's gonna want to, she's gonna have a hand in and like she's gonna show up again because this Moff Gideon guy is more so the antagonist of Din Djarin, but the fact that he's got the dark saber is a big deal for Bo. She's not just gonna say. Bye bye. We know in that episode that she wants very much to find back. him. She's trying to find him. Plus, you have the man in black from Lost playing the sort of captain. See, I was going to say, dude, something ship. I really like about how when they're on that ship and you have that guy playing the captain and you have him. So you have him talk to Moff Gideon over like the hollow uh, hologram or whatever. Yeah. Um, and just the the the. The picture there, I could be completely wrong, but I really want to be right because it would make me so happy. But the picture they're painting with like Moff Gideon and this new empire, or like you know, the remnants of the empire, and um, and uh, 
this guy like biting the electrical pill to kill himself because he's like, you know, Moff Gideon would let me live and the whole baby Yoda thing. And then in the next uh, brief skip ahead here, the next episode, we see the the things in the tank. I'm like, please tell me that all of this is painting an early picture for for the first order and bringing Palpatine back to life. That's what I want. I want that. It definitely seems to be doing that. I, like, I'm not going to go into this, guys, because this would bore most of you, and I would understand that completely. But in my – before – right before COVID hit – Or should I say Snoke, I, but it's the same thing. As yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I know. I think everyone else would too. But uh, I had this plan in my, my tabletop game that they were – this my team, the players, were going to get abducted by – it was taking place, like, I think six or seven – it was around the same time as Mandalorian after uh, Return of the Jedi, and they were going to get captured, and there was going to be the Empire Reborn and the Remnants, and it was going to be this own story of, of there being uh, dark, the Dark Trooper Project, and they were gonna, one of them was going to get undergo that, and you were going to have this big bad general guy who was more like a Moff Gideon in a way, but more uh, Dark Trooper. And long story short, I'm not going to go into all that. What The reason I say that, though, is because what they're doing this season so much is a lot of the broad strokes of what I've had planned for that. And, guys, it's just so cool to see it. It's, it makes me so happy to... To see, I mean, like you were saying, it's just it's it's neat to see all of that, and it really like especially as we get into further episodes, it definitely seems like they're trying to use this stuff to tie into the the sort of formation of the first order. Yeah, Freaking it'd be so cool. Awesome. I, it's not quite the same. I'm not gonna pretend it is, but it'd be so cool if by the end of Mandalorian, when the show's over, it enhanced the sequel trilogy in a similar way to the prequel trilogy. I think well, even seeing the the tank clones in the next episode, I think was just for me. I was like dope i'm like we're really getting they're really gonna show this and even like the line when uh i can't remember what it is exactly but when din jaren's in there in the next episode and he's like something like i got a bad feeling about this or i don't like this place i'm like yeah because you can even if i'm not mistaken you can hear snoke's like theme kind of playing and it's just haunting you're like what i'm saying man freaking sith doing evil shit man (laughs) and this is gonna take us a little off topic but like I would say, despite being someone who loves Rise of Skywalker, I would say that the vast majority at least have problems with the movie, if not downright despise it. Uh, but for me, uh, I don't mind at all that uh, uh, Palpatine's back. I think it makes a lot of sense to what the universe is set up beforehand. Mm-hmm. I also love, I still love Snoke as a character. Many people think he's a wasted character now. I personally don't agree. I think there's a lot of room to tell more background and story with his character through comics, shows, whatever. I think he was cool. I like that he was like a clone of, of Palpatine. I, I like all of that. Um, I think my biggest, well, my ultimate problem, I've been over before with Josh many times, my ultimate problem is I'm just having a hard time buying Pal- uh, Ray's relation to Palpatine. That one's a hard pill to swallow for me. That's really my biggest complaint. I guess a side complaint was I, I I think there's a better way they could have brought Palpatine in than just the dead speak and he's there in two minutes. I think there was at least 10 different ways you could have done that better. Um, but my problem was never with Palpatine being back. I think it you know it makes a, lot, a whole lot of sense. I know in the behind the scenes, J.J. Abrams like we had that scene in Revenge of the Sith where he says you know the dark side is a way to many powerful you know tools or whatever he says. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had thought about it longer, <laughs> I could say it exactly. But I'm just talking quickly. Um, dark side like, yeah. of the Force is a pathway to many Abilities. things some consider oh, to be yeah. unnatural. Exactly. Is and it I think possible right. to like, learn this power? Not from a Jedi, you poser. <laughs> It's uh, it's set up. It's just they're asking to be told. So okay, yeah. I gotta interrupt you. I gotta. Go I got Several things I gotta say. Uh, I said some of this off the air uh, to Brian before, but I gotta say it on here. But like, 
most important thing, like we have to bear in mind, like with that kind of stuff, like yeah, it does. The, the Palpatine stuff does feel weird, even though I think most of us accept it and like it. But we have to remember, like when Return of the Jedi came out, and that movie was done, that trilogy was done. No one knew anything about Palpatine. You had the brief tease in Empire, and you had him just sort of being like, you get to finally see that he's the big bad. Like, he's really the big bad. He's the dad, the evil dad of the universe, if you will, in that sense, right? It's not Vader like we kind of thought in the first movie and stuff like that. It's it's You get the tease in Empire, you get to uh, Return of the Jedi, and you, you see this, but you don't actually get the context. Well, the prequels help show who this guy is and it is in a lot of ways it's very much a story of Palpatine as much as it is Anakin because you're getting to see how he even got the marks I mean it's so cool to watch Return and think that's that was Mace Windu's doing you know with the yeah. lightsaber so there's gonna be things that come out after even if it takes 20 years that are gonna enhance this stuff Return of the Jedi didn't have all the answers right away for people they were left wondering who this Palpatine guy was why he looked the way he did why is he not wielding a lightsaber why is he so old and scraggly like all these questions didn't have answered we're gonna get that stuff it's just gonna take time but it's gonna enhance it the same way return is now for us and it has been for so long the other thing I was gonna say is is okay now I know in, in, in and I mean I, I should say we disagree on the Ray nobody or the Ray nobody or the race somebody thing but I know it's the kind of thing we've always both completely understood either side of. So it's never been some big debate. But I will say, I remember when Last Jedi came out. Like, okay, I'm gonna. how can I put this? Rise of Skywalker came out, and the people who were really big fans of Rey being a nobody that was established in Last Jedi were not happy with Rey being a somebody and being a Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker. But... A lot of people forget that in Force Awakens, J.J., and credit goes to him because he did initially set this up, and Ryan went his own way with it. And I'm not trying to hate on Ryan, but I'm just I'm saying that this is forgotten about so much. There's a scene in Maz Kanata's castle where they're sitting down, and there's a shot where Maz, as Rey runs off with Finn, Maz looks at Han and she goes, who's the girl? And Han looks at her, and then before he even speaks, the camera cuts away. There's an implication there that she's somebody. There's moments where, like, she's like, I've never seen this much green in the entire galaxy. And Han looks at her. There's all these different implications, but most specifically the one with Maz. And people forget that there is some kind of, like, tether to her being somebody that Ryan just sort of, in a way, did his own version of. And then no one kind of poo-poos on that. But then it's like when Rise comes out and says, okay, she is actually somebody... And Kylo was just being kind of a, a toxic boyfriend. People don't like it. Well, I think I think it just they all kind of deserve their fault in a way because it was just a matter of figuring it out as you went along. Yeah, like it, I think. Well, there's two things I want to say about that. I think oftentimes when we get a cultural opinion that builds, we 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 we, we quit talking about the nuances of how we arrived at that opinion. We just go straight yes. to the opinion. So this is what really happened. Correct me if you think I'm. You know, tell me if you don't disagree, Josh. But this is what really happened when, when everyone saw, when everyone finished Force Awakens. We were all left wondering who Ray was related to. We wanted her to be related to someone. We didn't know who it was going to be. We watched Last Jedi, and largely everyone was upset when they found out she was nobody. We thought that was a lame story choice. We didn't like it. That was the lar- lar- That was the consensus. But as the years went on past Last Jedi, and as that sat with us all. It became a type of thing where it's like, that's not what I wanted, but that's not what I've accepted. 
And a lot of people did like it too, to be fair. Like true, you're right true, though. Yeah. You're right. The majority but, didn't, but yeah. Like, I'm, I'm somebody didn't who didn't like it in the theater, mm-hmm. but as the years went on, I accepted it. To me, Ray was nobody. If, like that's just what it was. So when you get to Rise of Skywalker and they're already making this extremely fast-paced film where Palpatine's introduced within the first minute and then they drop on you that, wait, she actually wasn't nobody, uh, you know, and even Kylo even explains it in a way that's kind of a little bit too on the nose. He's like, oh, you are nobody. Your, pa- your parents were nobody, but your grandparents, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a Palpatine. You know, so it's like... Two years of accepting she was nobody and then having all this thrown at us at once. And then and then after thinking back in Force Awakens that she was either a Skywalker, a Kenobi, a Solo, whatever. Now that she's a Palpatine, it was just, it was a lot to take. So no, I agree when, that. when you say it that. It should have been two films. It, I always yeah. say that. It should have been two films. It's not. When you say that people forget that she was set up to be somebody, you're right. And she was. But two years of sitting on Ryan Johnson's choice it made sense why people liked her being a nobody. Now, the other thing I was going to say is, and I want you, I feel like you can probably, you can probably make some good points on this as to why I'm wrong, Josh, but why does the sequel trilogy get so much crap for making it up as we went along when that's what happened with the whole original trilogy? Wasn't the prequel trilogy the one that was thought out the most yeah. as far as story goes? Oh, it was. I think, you know, it, it doesn't deserve a lot of the hate it gets. I think the problem is just knowing how much shit behind the scenes was going on with the sequel trilogy, whereas you don't hear about it as much with things like The Mandalorian. You don't hear about it. But you hear about it with the original trilogy because you heard about how... No, no, no. uh, That's not what I mean, though. Like, I'm not saying that. What I'm... Let me get it. Let me let me be more okay. specific. Go ahead. What I mean is more so like, yes, okay, we know that George Lucas almost killed himself trying to get a new hope made and stuff like that, that he kind of uh, argued a bit with Irvin Kershner over Empire Strikes Back, that even Han and there were hostile days on set where people were just a bit argumentative and how things were uh, so different. Well, Anakin wasn't supposed to be Darth Vader and the first film came out. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, you do film, have stuff like that. You know, but, Luke wasn't a son and then Leia wasn't a daughter. Right. Yeah. But what I'm getting at is when you get to the sequel trilogy, I think the problem is less to do with the plot and more that, yes, J.J. started out with the foundation, did the mystery box. Ryan came in. Ryan did the complete opposite, which is not bad. I'm just saying that he went his own route with it. And then you had, it was supposed to be Colin Trevorrow to conclude everything. And then Colin was taken out for whatever reason. And then JJ was brought back in. And then on top of it, the most important thing is after last Jedi came out, Carrie Fisher died. And you had then had to find a way to like finish this and wrap this up, you know, without being disrespectful, you know, and trying to figure out how to navigate that. Like it was just became a huge challenge. You also have to remember that in force awakens during filming, Harrison Ford got injured when a like door basically slammed on him and he was he was out for a while and they had to like re rework some scenes, reshoot some scenes, um, do it. They had to readjust for that and acclimate. So, I mean, there's a lot of similarities there, but you didn't ever have someone like clearly dying And there. The thing with those movies is you always had George Lucas there, even if other directors were helming it. You always had George Lucas there in some way. He wasn't there for these. They said, we're going to do J.J. And then even then, at the beginning, it was going to be a completely different writer. It was going to be Michael Arndt, I think, from Toy Story 3. And then he got let go. And then they bring in someone else. And uh, I can't remember. Lawrence Kasdan. And then you get to Last Jedi. And Last Jedi is like the less, the, the, the least drama-filled movie out of all of them that we've gotten so far. But then you get to uh, Carrie Fisher passing. And then you get to Rise of Skywalker. Uh, Colin Trevorrow being thrown by. There was just so much stuff that happened. Uh, and it just, 
you didn't have one concise person helming it. You know what I mean? Like they didn't have just JJ from the get go yeah. saying, we're going to have you doing all yeah. three. We're going to have, you didn't have someone overseeing all three. It was just constantly like, we're going to bring in a new visionary each time. Like how you see with Mandalorian, there's different writers. There's different directors every episode. But it's already been you laid do, out. Yeah, you have John and you have Dave that are kind of there overseeing everything. And you have these other directors and writers falling under that umbrella. But the sequel trilogy just didn't have that. But that's not me trying to hate on it. It's just there are similarities there. No, that's like, good points. To, to, to play devil's advocate to what you're saying, yeah, there are definitely similarities there. And if it's hard because as, as, as nerds, we all tend to sometimes let the drama out of the experience, out of context, influence how we look at the the core experience. Mm-hmm. And that's not right sometimes because you're missing out on yeah. the actual product. I think they could have saved themselves a lot of trouble too. Even if they told the same exact story for Rise of Skywalker, don't, don't market it as the end of nine, just market it as the end of the trilogy. You know, I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I didn't, I don't think anybody needed that. You know, I don't think anybody was like really, I don't think anybody would, after Last Jedi came out, I don't think anybody was saying, I really can't wait to see nine the conclusion to all like nine, it didn't need to be marketed that way. And if you look at Colin Trevorrow's script, his film wasn't his film very much seemed like a conclusion to the trilogy. I like how this nine. is turning into ther- another therapy episode, but the way I looked at rise of Skywalker is like in a way that I'm so I- I'm okay with it. Like I, I both don't like it. I'm both disappointed by it, but I also freaking love it. And the reason why I'm so split I'm down the middle with that in a way that I'm at peace with it is that I look back and I just, you know, I, I know I'm just so thankful to get what we've got, you know? Yeah. And when I, when Revenge of the Sith came out, that was the end. That was the end. And everything else has just been icing on the cake. Stuff we never thought we were going to get. And it's amazing. But when they started marketing Rise of Skywalker as the conclusion of all these, I was like, okay, that's a bit of a white lie because we did already have that. Yeah. And this is just more like and there's gonna an addendum. Be a this is like appendices, yeah. you know? <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's not to insult the sequel trilogy. It deserves its place just as much. But my point is, is that I was able to, even though initially I went in with huge expectations and huge wants, that's uh, why I me mean now is just able to be at peace with it. Cause it's like, you know what? Like, this is going to be, this deserves to be a bigger deal for other people. That's not me. Like I can, I can be at peace with this and let other people love these movies more than even I do. I still love them. You know, I don't what need, really, I, my, my, my life is just not make or break over it. Yeah. Like it would have you know, been for what really bothers me is that as fans, people get, they get to the point where they start to think because, because studios like Disney have so much money, so much talent, so much influence, so much capability they downplay what it literally takes to make a film, to make a Star Wars film especially, to where they say, you know, redo the trilogy, redo episode nine. If you watch the behind the scenes for, it doesn't even have to be Star Wars, you know, The Hobbit, you know, any movie, you watch behind the scenes, you look at the the years of planning that goes into the art, the sets, the the, the script writing, the, the, the time spent, I mean... It is astronomical, astronomical amount of hours and thought and time and effort and talent. You know, just just think how much Daisy Ridley has to do as a person to be that character, let alone oh, yeah. the rest of the film. You know, the training, the well. The remember, if you the first behind the scenes video we've got for Force Awakens, and they keep talking about practical effects and they keep talking about all this. There's this huge emphasis on like more or less the Star Wars you know and love, you know, like 
there's this clear kind of middle finger to prequels and the way the prequels were that's done. That's what fans said they wanted back then, though. Yes, so. but that's another reason that gives validity to why these were more of an issue. Because when George went and did all these movies, he even though he still had people he had to work with, he made the movies he wanted. That's fair. Whereas yeah. this, the agenda behind these was very much a nostalgic trip. You know, it was very much. And I a, personally blame the fans, including myself. Yeah, and I do too. And and uh, it was very much like, hey, remember the Millennium Falcon? Remember Han? Remember the the training droid? And remember all the all these little on the nose moments? It wasn't necessarily like I love Force Awakens. I freaking love it. I wouldn't want to lose that movie. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that very much was the beginning of hey. Remember when Star Wars? Remember the Star Wars you know and love? Like it should have just, it it didn't get to be its own thing. It didn't get to have its own identity. It was a very it was an echo chamber of like what we remember. It was like trying to milk nostalgia. That's what Force think, Awakens and what comes after is. I think you're 100 percent right, and I also think if the prequel films, I'm not talking about the lore or the characters or the Clone Wars series, if the prequel films had been done better, I think. We wouldn't be in this spot either. That's true. I still, bl- I still blame no, no, the fans. No, no, no. I agree with you too on that. Oh, yeah. I think like all my feelings of the prequel trilogies aside, if the collective opinion would have been generally positive for those, then yeah, we wouldn't have been in that uh, situation. Yeah. Because if, if if they had just been a little more well received, you know, it's not because obviously speaking to the lore and what George accomplished with the prequel era, lore wise, he knocked it out of the park. It's amazing, but. Um, just speaking to the quality of those films, you know, things could have been done better. And if they had been, there wouldn't have been such a such a backlash. But ultimately, this all comes down to fans just being so entitled and so, you know, now now everyone loves the prequels and says the sequels are the garbage. It's just crazy. It's you know? tough. I think I think uh, what it really comes down to is all these expectations we wanted because it, for for a lot of people for so long because. Having it not go the way you wanted to, like everyone had their own idea. This, this isn't going to go the way you think. Yeah, right. <laughs> which was, which was, I like that line, but that again is like, like kind of like JJ did in his own way with, hey, remember this, remember that. He Ryan was, was like, different way. Hey, I'm going to subvert all your expectations, yeah. and I'm going to be on the nose. That's his on the nose moment. So it, it's a little cringe inducing as much as I think it is good, and I love it. But what I was going to say is, is that you can't help but have these expectations. Like, those three movies were going to fall under the most scrutiny than anything in the new canon because Luke, Leia, Lando, Chewie, uh, everyone's coming back. So you've got these main characters, and you've had this idea. You already had these, like, 30 years of canon that is trying to talk about what they what happened yeah. and everything. And then you also have, you know, what you want to see happen now that it's a clean slate. And then Luke not going that way upset a lot of people and it broke their hearts and stuff and, it, and it, some people make fun of that and i think if those people who had their hearts broken weren't such dicks they would be more justifiably like able to be empath empathized with mm-hmm. but the fact that they're such dicks and stuff like that is yeah. like is what what makes it uh brings a lot of toxicity to it but what i was going to say is is what was cool on the flip side and i'll switch it over to you it was so cool before Force Awakens came out, knowing these characters were going to be show up again, because for me, I, I, I you got I mean, going into Force Awakens, it was like I don't care what they do, I am just. So, back. I never thought I was going to get to see these characters yeah. in live action. I had imagined for years what they would look like, like in costume and everything. It was out of sight, out of mind, and it was just. I was just like, you know what? You guys already have my butt in the seat because these guys are coming back, and okay. that's what you want. At, from, you can from the disagree. 
anyone listening, you can disagree with me forever, but I'm going to stand by this. I guarantee you, if you go back to 2015, 14, whatever, before Force Awakens was announced, it came out, whatever, and you asked any Star Wars fan if they wanted a trilogy with Han, Harrison Ford, Leia, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Luke, if Chewie, all the, if they wanted those characters back in a new trilogy, damn near 100% of people would have said, I want to see that. And it wouldn't have been a question. They wouldn't have said, I want to see it if Han does this, if Luke does this, if Leia does that. They would have just said, I want that. If that's possible, give me that. Yeah. Well, now that we have it, everyone's crumbling it up in a ball and taking it, taking it for granted. I mean, I know... If I said right now on this podcast, I said, okay, well, would you rather not have those films at all and not get to see them on screen anymore? I like how you sassy know? you're getting. You guys cannot see Brian's body language. Lot, Holy yeah. cow. You'd have a lot of people right now going, yeah, I'd give up the sequel trilogy. I'd give up seeing them again yeah. if I didn't have to deal with the sequel trilogy. But, but man, like, think about, we got to see, you know, Han, what, Luke, Leia, just, we got to see them on screen they're again. They're not, yeah. you know, it's like it's like what, what, what Yoda says in, in Last Jedi. We are, we grow beyond or what they grow beyond and stuff like that, like, these these movies, the sequel trilogy itself is not even it's not our Star Wars, you know, and that's okay. Like these are very much yeah. the younger generation, you yeah. know. Like we had our time as a kid to enjoy Star Wars, and like those kids who see that, you see movies of kids, or I'm sorry, you see videos that get shared around the internet of kids at like uh, you know all the the Disney, you know, like Galaxy's Edge and stuff like that. Little Rays, little Kylos, all these people, all these kids that love these new characters. They don't give a shit that Last Jedi is the only Star Wars movie to take place literally right after, like, and not have a time jump. Crazy. They don't care about that stuff. They ha- they watch these movies and they have fun, and that's why that stuff's important. And yeah, George Lucas was there and all this stuff that I might agree with. It just doesn't matter. Though. I hate when people try to tell me that no one's buying sequel trilogy toys or no one's dressing up as sequel trilogy characters. I've true. seen that all over. When I uh, after Last Jedi came out back when I lived back home or back in uh, Illinois, there was kids in my church that dressed up as Kylo Ren, dressed up as Ray, you know, like they loved those movies, you know? Oh, dude, I just, in in the buzz before those movies and even after, but I mean, just the euphoria you could feel before Force Awakens and seeing characters like Finn and you would see the poster of him wielding a lightsaber and you're like, what? In the teaser trailer, he was a stormtrooper. What's going on? You know, and then you see Ray and you're like, is she is she a Skywalker? Like remember remember the first teaser trailer was like you know I had that power my father had that power you have that power too you're like who is he talking to and then you hear like the line that never actually made it in the movie where he's like there's been an awakening have you felt it you know and you're like what is going on and you see Kylo with the cross guard and you're just like dude what are they doing and they could go in any direction there's this moment with anything I think I've always loved where it's just like you have that when, when you're excited for something and it's about to come out dude where it's like. You get the teases, and you start to have this theater of the mind speculation in your head of where the story could go, and yeah. you're just about to learn where everything actually goes, but you still you have that brief moment of not knowing. That not knowing moment is such an amazing Yeah, when we went to see Force Awakens in the theater, I was like, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm ready for it. And then when I got done watching Force Awakens, it was like, obviously, Force Awakens didn't play out exactly how I figured it would in my mind. But when I left the theater, I'm like, you know... I liked all of that. That's how I felt. All of it. That's how I felt. Like, I knew the plot leak. I knew about Han dying and all that. I was still hoping there was going to be a lot of, like, lore bits that we didn't get or that we didn't actually get. But by the end of it, I was like, you know, part of me was like, 
uh, you know, I was hoping to see more like like a prequel nod or something to that effect. We didn't get that really, but I but at the same time, I was just so focused on the movie itself. I was like, this was awesome, yeah. and then I was like, okay, on to episode eight. I'm ready to see Luke. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. exactly. Okay, Josh, to, let's bring it back to let's go to the episode four of Mandalorian. <laughs> Um, guys, we're going to have to do more of these because this is, we're not going to get it all out of our system, but we're not going to go on for eight hours. You guys noticed, but with the beginning of the episode, it's like where we, we almost feel like we have to try to cram so much into one episode because we don't, we're not a Star Wars podcast, but we can definitely talk at length about it. So like Brian Uh, said, uh, this is, this is the first of, of many to come, I'm sure. Yeah, so we're on episode four of The Mandalorian. This is the one where he reunites with uh, Cara Dune and uh, Grief. What's his first name? Um, Grief Karga. Grief Karga, yeah, Grief Karga. Grief Karga. I love love it. This is his directorial debut, right? Yeah, dude, you could tell on Twitter he was hyped as all get out. He did a good job. He felt so good about it. He did great. great. Uh, and I love how he's like, have you been, t- have you been taking care of the, my boy here? Uh, and he looks up at Din Djarin, and he's like, have you been taking care of him? <laughs> yeah, there's uh, something to be mentioned too. Before that happens, is like we get, uh, we talked about this yesterday, I think. But there are so many, there have been so many cold opens. I don't know if you guys know what a cold open is. It's always the scene that takes place before the sort of opening credits, if you will. Mm-hmm. And it's always kind of self-contained in a way. Well, all the little moments we get of Din Djarin and Grogu in the cockpit is always adorable. There's always something new that happens. Uh, even if it doesn't go somewhere, there's always some little little bit, and uh, it, it's just cool. I, I love getting to that. This point. is the one where you're trying to get him to connect the wires. Yeah, <laughs> my favorite one is in the most recent episode. I'm yes. saving that. Yeah, uh, I won't say it, but uh, but I'll uh, bring that up. yeah. So this ep- man, this does suck because I know that if we had allowed ourselves, I could do a whole 90 minute podcast on each episode of Mandalorian. Um, so maybe it something to consider for season three. Yeah, that we're speeding along here. Um, but anyways, um, so for this episode, things the things that stick out to me the most, the, the thing I want to go right to is just seeing those tanks, those tanks that uh, looked like to me looked like Snoke tanks. Now, when I listened to the Blue Harvest podcast, they were talking about how because you see the dark troopers afterward. Mm-hmm. I guess there was two different types of dark troopers in the original canon. And one was like robotic and one was kind of like cyborg clone experimentation. So they were thinking, right after we saw this episode, the Blue Harvest guys were thinking that uh, maybe this is a combination of both, where they're they're kind of doing the robot and the the clone type thing. And I was hoping when I watched this, because, you know, the importance of Baby Yoda, the importance of getting his blood in these stasis tanks, it looks to me like the beginnings of what became Snoke for the future trilogy. That's what I want it to be. That's what I hope it is. And now after seeing the most recent episode, not to try to go ahead and, and seeing the uh, the Dark Troopers on screen, it appears that the Dark Troopers are just robot robotic. Um, so that makes me really hope and think even more that these stasis tanks are trying to bring back the Emperor, you know, make a clone, which is Snoke. Um, that's what stuck out to me the most. That's what I thought was so badass, that and the Dark Troopers. Um, obviously, a lot more happened in this episode. A lot of cool action. What do you think, Josh? Uh, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree wholeheartedly. I think I think the major thing, the biggest takeaway was obviously those tanks and the implications of that. Like we can, I think the biggest takeaway is is we can we can speculate that with getting to see them in the tanks and then getting to see I forget the character's name, getting to see the dude with the glasses, the scientists kind of show up via hologram, getting to yeah, see him again. P, I think yeah, getting to see him again leads us to Dr. Like it, puts, it puts more in, yeah Dr. thank Pershing, you yeah. nice you're doing a great job remembering these uh, side characters Din Djarin and, and Mandalorian being your favorite Star Wars you're gonna remember Say, I, Fennec, awesome. uh, I love it buddy yeah, but yeah. um, 
I think we can we can speculate like we get more perspective on what the why they why that guy why the client wanted Grogu in season one. You know, it gives us a little bit, it peels back that layer a little bit more. And we can speculate right now, maybe maybe by the time this comes out and, and you know, a week or two after we'll have a, an answer, but we can speculate, right, that he's got such a huge midichlorian count, he's so powerful, plus there's so few Jedi left, even though they're out there, that this little guy, they want to harvest so they can maybe do something with some kind of like, they, they, it seemed to implicate, implicate in that episode that they want to sort of clone, like force, you know, midichlorian you know, midichlorian count. They yeah. want to infuse it with clone, the clone body. And I mean, when you consider the empire and stuff like that and what we kind of know of them in the lore, uh, especially when you look at rise of Skywalker for me, for me guys, I was just like, wow, like they're going to find, it seems like they're going to find a way to enhance last, like just the sequel trilogy as a whole. Like, yeah. and, I, and by that, I mean more specifically Palpatine and Snoke. Yeah, you know, and can, like, it's just so you, such a. Cool how are you going to look at Snoke if you know in the future that like Snoke was able to be created because of Grogu's blood? That would be. They crazy. won't go there though. That's too dark. I cannot see. Well, it I'm not saying kill him. I'm saying because obviously Snoke does get created regardless of what they do with yeah. Grogu. Snoke was Should just an with Grogu just being on the table and just taking all his blood and he just gets don't drained. kill my boy Grogu. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't kill Grogu. But You're my boy yeah, dude. Grogu. Oh, oh man, Grogu Gogurt. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing it brings me back to, though, is like, as much as I love Palpatine being in Rise of Skywalker, when you watch Return of the Jedi and you see him get thrown down that shaft and the Death Star gets blown up, how does he wait, survive that? Wait, no, that doesn't, that doesn't work, because he, because he does die. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you see Palpatine get thrown down the shaft, you know, and then there's the big explosion. And then the Death Star itself actually blows up. Yeah. And it's just but, like, come on. Like, how are you telling me? Yeah, but me? no. Well, because the canon explains that the, the Emperor, the Emperor's body did completely die there. Right. So I actually feel like they've explained. I was with you when we saw Rise of Skywalker, but I think canon's explained that away now because the Emperor did die and his right. body was blown to smithereens with the Death Star, but his, his Force essence was transferred into a clone. Yeah. Well, okay. I... To summarize, because I'll go on a rant about it, but to summarize for me, it's like, okay, Palpatine, to be clear, for me, Palpatine, as much as I love him being a Rise of Skywalker, it is a bit fan, not fan fiction It's a more expanded universe-like, and that's why I love it, but then the sort of reasoning of how they got him to be in there and the reason why we have this sort of Palpatine-ish clone, if you will, is definitely like more expanded university, and I'm like I agree with that. And I, I, I agree with that. I, I, I can even, I can come around to it. I can come around. I to even it. agree. I even agree with someone who says they don't like it, and I understand it. It does seem more expanded fictiony. Uh, but all I'm saying is is correct no, me if there, I'm wrong. There is but, a reason. No, no, no. You're not. Yeah. Wrong. All I'm saying. Correct yeah, me if I'm wrong. But when we on our way to Rise of Skywalker before it came out, everyone was under the impression that this was the Palpatine. From yeah, and he's, Return of the Jedi, and yeah, it is so, not. No, no, no. You're right. Yeah, and you're definitely right about that. To be clear, for anyone listening who doesn't follow that stuff, and it's Brian's weird because I agree right with that. Josh because it's like it does feel like side fictiony, like something that wasn't written by George Lucas. Maybe someone on the outside. That's just, but at the same time, everything is in the lore of Star Wars by George Lucas to make this a very real possibility. Yeah. He created cloning. Just, he created the, uh, you know, many pathways the dark side has and line and revenge of the Sith. Like it's all there for the table. Well, that's why we talked about this the other day, but that's why I think as much like, I know I'm so biased. I know I have so much love for Anakin Skywalker and Hayden Christensen, but that's why I don't think his 
chosen one prophecy was like undone per se. Like I don't, or I don't think it was like either. retconned. It, it just like hear me out for those listening. Like you have a prophecy, right? But then you have the dark side, which is so dark and twisted it's and capable of many go. things, and they find a way. You know, these Sith alkalites and stuff like that. Um, like, the, the in the Aftermath series, they actually have, a, a, I think, what's called the Alkalites of the Beyond and uh, stuff like that. And they do some dark shit. So, it's definitely possible that, yes, this prophecy was definitely foreseen as being this way, cut and dry. And it did happen, even though it wasn't the way, like, most people thought for Anakin. Prophecy like, you, was you know, fulfilled. Like, you, it was said you were to destroy this. It's not join them. Well, he, he still did. It's just he, he, he went through his own journey of doing that. So, but the dark side circumvented prophecy. Dark side is a dark. pathway to many things. Some consider to be exactly. I think that's pretty. Cl- I mean, I think it's more or less. Fact I can that's get what behind it. For. It's just like there's a. I just see when I think of Palpatine blowing up in Return of the Jedi, I'm like, ah, he, he's dead. <laughs> you know, like how are you gonna get all that stuff? But again, that's why a story down the line will enhance how they how Palpatine went about planning ahead for that. Because it's also know- neat too how even though Palpatine circumvented prophecy. The Skywalker bloodline still screwed him up in the end. Kylo was turned and helped defeat Palpatine. <laughs> he just cannot win with this. He should have gave up a long time ago. Yeah. It was just bad, bad juice. There is that one kind of like, once again on the nose scene in Rise of Skywalker where Palpatine's like, just as I fell down the shaft, now you will last. Yeah. He puts Solo down his shaft. It's like, okay, yeah, we get it. We saw the movie. Yeah. He's all bitter and shit. Yeah, anyway, getting back on subject, though, uh, I enjoyed getting to see those pods and just the implications of what that means and how that seems like it's trying to set up to sort of complement and enhance the the lore that we've sort of, the broad strokes lore that we've kind of come to know with uh, the sequel trilogy. I just, I think that is compelling. I think the dark side implications they had in the sequel trilogy was just so cool because at first they're like, these guys aren't Sith and then very much come to find out like, okay, yeah, they are Sith. See, you, know, in a you lot might of disagree, Josh, but to me, Rise of Skywalker is the closest film from four to from four to nine. It's the closest film to a prequel to me. Like it feels I don't the know. most. I have like, to think about it because I really felt like when I got to Canto Bite, I was like, "This is." Prequel. Well, I agree with you on that. Actually, I agree with you, but like the the way that Rise of Skywalker boldly and with no shame dives right into this dark Sith cultist shit and bringing clone <laughs> Palpatine That's back. That's fair. Yeah, like, I, I see where you're coming from. That feels so prequel era to me. I can see I, that because the you, first two definitely. Imagine if you had 20 episodes of the Clone Wars surrounding Rise of Skywalker that flushed that out, dude. I could so see that. Like I said, it just needs to, all that sequel trilogy. <laughs> like I just, said. Like I said, it just needs to be enhanced and it's going to yeah. get it. Like they, they've all gotten it. Return of the Jedi got it with the prequels. The prequels got it with the Clone Wars. Rise of Skywalker is just, or I'm sorry, the sequel trilogy is just waiting for its moment. It's waiting yeah. for that story to be told. If you think about how many different ways Star Wars could have went over 40, even, almost 45 years, they've yeah. done it amazing. Even as I'm talking about this, I'm like, God damn, I love fucking Palpatine. Like when when Kylo gets there and he's like, my boy, I am every voice you have ever heard That is so cool. your head. And then he so shows neat. up and you see the fucking flickering of this old man in this chair. Even when you think about Palpatine later and he's like, this thing is like hoisting his body yeah. up. And he's it's just hard, it's fucking, dude. it's like some Tales from the Crypt shit. And I'm just like, dude, <laughs> I am freaking here for this. It's awesome. Like, just talking about I, that. I love it, dude. Yeah. I love it. I love it. it. But uh, the, yeah, good episode. Seeing like a Snoke body in the tank, you're like, this is dark. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's cool, too, because it, it definitely seems like they, they I think, I think it was that point that really made me realize, okay, they definitely have 
a plan. Not that it matters, but it, they definitely have a plan for where they want to take this story with Grogu. You know what I mean? Like, not saying he dies, not saying he lives, but like, there's definitely the bigger picture we're starting to kind of get to see more of. I'll tell you what, though, if Grogu did die to make Snoke, I would love Kylo that much more for cutting Snoke in half. <laughs> like, thank you. Um, but hey, okay, so let's let's just kind of. I know we we could definitely go way into more detail with that episode, like the rest. But let's go to the next episode, the Ahsoka episode. Yeah. Um, Josh, you want to start on? Your yeah, thoughts dude. Uh, this was huge, obviously, for a lot of people. Uh, I was definitely emotional. We knew before, like earlier in the year, I think it was even last year, there were leaks about Tamara Morrison showing up, Katie Sackhoff showing up, uh, Rosario Dawson. We these leaks were out there, but with anything, it's fifty fifty. So. Some of it actually ends up being true. Some of it doesn't. And the thing Cause, is... Because the character from Battlefront 2 was leaked as well, and I she didn't, doesn't uh, seem to be in the show. Oh, my gosh. Janina... I forget her last name. But, yes. That was fake. Although she... No, no, no. She actually technically was in the show. She was a okay. puppeteer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think okay. I think she was for that Mon Calamari, the one on the the one who did the repairs. I think that was... Oh, okay, I think she did cool. the puppeteering work. So she was actually a part of the show. She just... We haven't... It's not like we got okay. to see Ayn Versio. The leaks are But, true. yes. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> but um, I think the thing is with that one was it seemed so specific and out there that a part of you wants to just write it all off. But it was so specific, again... That I was like, okay, this is going to happen. I felt like it. I felt strongly about it. And we're seeing it all come true. But just being able to get to a moment. We knew. We we all knew this was coming. You knew the next episode. Like, it just. Ahsoka was coming. And it was building to it. But getting to see her was like, wow. I know all this time that everything that happened in Clone Wars and Rebels was canon. But... When I got to see her actually talk and move around, I'm like, this, she, like, Hayden, I picture Hayden Christensen's Anakin, and I'm like, she had adventures with him. Like, and it just solidified it. You know, in the same way you get to see, like, Darth Maul with robot legs cameo in Solo when you see him in Clone Wars and you see him, like, in, um, in, oh my gosh, Rebels. So, I mean, there is the problem, though. Like, you do run, like, here's the thing, like, for people like my dad, it's a cool episode doesn't grab doesn't mean anything to him because it doesn't have the context. It's just a cool Jedi. But yeah, she's a cool even though Jedi. She's like, it's not, not a Jedi. I'm just saying like it's definitely one of those things. All these cameos this season are definitely the kind of things where like it's not gonna grab people who aren't the diehard fans, but for the diehard fans, wow is it really amazing. And uh, I'll switch it over to you because I definitely have a lot more I can say about that. Well but what is your thoughts about the this? thing I think everyone can agree with is that the the team of people making the Mandalorian, they love slapping us across the face because it, it I could point to so many examples. The two that come to mind right now and on topic first is like, oh, this is the episode we'll get to see Ahsoka. The episode opens with her face. Yeah, dude. And you're just like, whoa! I thought for sure it would be, you know, 23 minutes in. Yeah, we're gonna build she'd up be to sitting, it. Yeah, no, I thought that too. Behind, you know, you'd see her from the back with her hood up, and then you'd hear her voice, and then you'd start to see her. No, she's right there in your face, kicking ass. It's just like the episode. Um, everybody thought this week's episode was gonna be filler. Oh, it's 33 minutes. It's gonna be his. We learned on, that none of the episodes really were filler. No, on his way to to Tython. Tython? Tython. Yeah. On his way to Tython, he'll get sidetracked. He won't see the cool shit till now. Nope. He's there. Shit's happening. Oh, actually, oh, technically, bad. he wasn't. He didn't know of Tython at that point. It was. He was still supposed to. He was on his mission to get to that planet to see her. 
She she gave him. No, I'm talking about the episode, the new episode we just saw. Oh, my mistake. What I'm saying is like everyone. We're all over the place, a, guys. Yeah, we thought this was going to be a filler. Everyone did yes. 33 minutes. Yes, it no, it's it's super plot heavy. But anyway, so they're like slapping us in the face with that. Uh, when I started the episode, I'm just like, whoa, Ahsoka's badass. The the dual wielded white sabers are badass. Um, the whole episode had a very Kill Bill vibe to me, which I was not expecting. Um, and I'm not actually a huge Kill Bill fan. A couple Kurosaka references in there, which was really neat. I, I feel like George would have appreciated that. I don't know if he had, yeah. but I feel like he would have. Um, like he would. So, th- to me, to me, I don't know if you agree with this, but to me, if I had to pick one episode that feels the least Din Djarin focused, it's this one. Din Djarin focused. That's fair. Because um, uh, when he shows up, I mean, when I think of this episode, I just think of Ahsoka. I don't even think of him that much. Well, there's just so the much character. that's impactful here to take away. Like, it's sensory overload. Because right th- right away, we learn that Ahsoka has lived through the galactic civil war that took place in the original trilogy. Like, she wasn't... Like, Luke wasn't the last Jedi. Leia wasn't the last Jedi. She's out there. Like Technically, they were because she's not a Jedi, but I get what you're saying. You know, right? Because I mean, yes, she doesn't yeah, claim to I, be one. Yeah. Yes. Even though the episode's called no, no, no. the I, Jedi, that, none of that bothers me. To be clear, none of that bothers me. But I'm, just, but what I'm saying is, it's like, it's just so cool to kind of get that confirmation that she's alive and out there. Because like, uh, people, you'll see. I'm sure you've already seen it, Brian. But on Twitter, people keep talking about like Ezra as well. They keep talking about Cal. We don't actually know if those characters are dead or alive. But like, we have confirmation. Ahsoka is very much alive at this point in time. And it was just cool to see like why we don't really know about her. Why people like Yoda might not even know about her because. She's literally off in this random planet trying to take down this village and, and save it, you know, and, yeah. and stuff like that. And she's doing her own thing. Corvus. I like the name. Yeah, Corvus. Very cool. And uh, it was just so neat to see, like, she had, like, the same look. I mean, people were complaining about her, uh, not like, being the were, not, were not, which are, the, like, the tentacles guys. Uh, they weren't as long, but it's like, come on, guys. It's live, it's live action. Stop. We're going to soak in live action. Come on. Yeah. Pick your battles. But... <laughs> But it was just so cool to see. It honestly felt like a really nice... It felt like an animated episode brought to life. Because it honestly very much was a capture the fortress type of feel. You know, we don't know the behind the scenes stuff, but they very, well could, they very well could have tried to do her longer like tentacle type things and found out it didn't work or look as I'm good sure in the live action. I'm sure they tried it. I've no doubt they tried it. And then, they and go then through so a lot what of would stuff. happen if they had done that and it looked wrong in live action everyone would have complained about that. Yeah. Like, you know, just, just, just yeah, pick, pick your battles. Yeah, great. pick your battles. Um, yeah, but the, uh, the episode overall oh, was just great. I loved the scene. I was kind of embarrassed that I, that I, I hadn't picked up on Did the fact realize? that Beskar could deflect uh, oh yeah, lightsaber. Yeah. I hadn't picked up. It on was that. implied, so, but it wasn't. I, I think. I think so they implied it, but it wasn't. When he put up his arm and blocked her lightsaber, I'm like, I didn't know that, but that's badass, you know. Yeah. And that was like a really cool. Like that fight scene lasted like probably four seconds or less. Yeah, but it was badass. But then what and came then at the end? Immediately, Ooh. she's like, I hope you're here to talk about him. She's like, I don't give a crap about. The, you're just another Mandalorian. Who's the Who's the Who's the baby Yoda? <laughs> you yeah. Know? So and then, and then the just whole the reveals of that, not to mention Grogu and the most adorable thing, my favorite thing about that whole episode. It doesn't even have to do with Ahsoka. It's every time yep. we see it later. Yep. And you're gonna get to that. I'm not gonna take you. I'm not gonna take it away from you. But in this episode, every time, every time Tinjarin was like Grogu, he was like, er, er, yep, er. <laughs> that's my <Yeah>. name. <laughs> He's like, yes. You know, it was so yeah. adorable. Did you realize that the dude, the bad dude, that ended up walking away from the fight, that was Kyle Reese. Yeah, I did. It didn't Dude, look like him. Even I after know. I figured it out, it still doesn't look like him. Yeah, I was like, that's Kyle Reese. So yeah. I'm not even a huge Terminator fan. I also I loved, I don't remember, I actually don't remember her name. I do love the the female antagonist. 
Yes. Yeah, she was great. And uh, again, you know, I think another cool thing about that, about her being there is like when you watch Clone Wars, for example, one of the things that Clone Wars does great is that, you know, it takes it gives a lot of like organicness to the separatist army. You get to see a lot of these leaders that were kind of organizing the droids. Like when you watch the prequels, you're thinking it's just Count Dooku, it's General Grievous, it's Palpatine behind the scenes. And that's like it. But no, you get to see there's all these organic beings that have their own agendas and they're all prideful. And, and stuff like that. She's another character, another version of this that's not just like, and she also had HK droids, which weren't AK 40. I said AK. <laughs> they weren't HK 47 droids from KOTOR, but they were HK 50s, I think. Or, or no, not HK 50s. I can't remember which model they were. Somebody listening to this right now was like, there were 48s or something. I can't remember. But it was really cool to see that and kind of give some life. And and, and I, that matters. I mean, we talked about that with even like with Halo and video games. But like it's not as fun when you're just fighting machines. It's so much fun when there's organic matter and they have personality. And this lady, I just wanted to see go down. Dude, I did not like her. She did it to the actress's credit and getting to see that battle at the end. That that was such a Kurosaka like samurai duel, dude. Was I was really like, cool. I, I like want to play whole, Ghost of Tsushima right now. I was surprised there was a Beskar spear. What do you think the end game is for that Beskar spear? Oh, dude, he's definitely that was there in the episode because he's going to fight Moff Gideon. Oh, he's going to use it as okay. I think he's going to use here was, it against here was my saber. thing. And maybe this is really like maybe I'm really off base with this, but like the Beskar spear, it looks so plain that I assumed it was going to be boiled down and turned into something else. But I think it makes sense what you're saying. I think, okay, it could be. I'll be surprised if I'm wrong on this one just because it's, again... Don't you agree like that a, it feels like it has no design? I'm well, it doesn't. It doesn't, but I think the whole reason is because when we get to the next episode, he loses the Razor Crest. He's like, he's got nothing at this point, but he finds that staff, and you don't have that stuff there. You don't introduce it if it's not going to yeah. have a real purpose. And I feel like if you have anyone else go toe to toe with Moff Gideon, kind of takes away from Din Djarin as a character. I he agree. has to fight Moff Gideon, and whether or not he loses or wins, that doesn't matter. But he has to be the one to kind of have that conflict because that's the protagonist and antagonist. So I think that's what they're setting up for is to give him a reason to to be able to stand toe to toe with him, whether or not he can actually take him, but at least be able to, yeah, to, you know, clash. Properly. Yeah, so. it's very cool. Um, <laughs> Great yeah, episode, so, but I understand. You know, Josh, uh, where are they going with Thrawn? Uh, I don't know, man. That's what's interesting too. Uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn getting name dropped seems like they're setting up a backdoor pilot for an Ahsoka show, or at least the animated well, we, series. We know there's a female-led show coming, so it feels like this is it. It could be it, and we we we've heard so many rumors for so long about a Rebels sequel series, and that could also be it. So I don't know. You know, uh, I don't think they're gonna. It's possible Thrawn could weave his way into the show, but I think all that stuff, like okay, you look at seems unlikely. Boba, again, Boba's motivation. The season seemed unlikely. Bo, yeah, right. Boba's motivation: getting the armor. Bo-Katan's motivation: getting the dark saber. Ahsoka finding Grand Admiral Thrawn and trying to find Ezra, as it seems to imply. So all these big guest appearances have their own motivations and agendas. And as of right now, the only one we've seen that has come into play with. Dinjarin and Grogu is Boba's now, but we haven't seen the other twos. And it stands to, uh, like, I reckon that, that you know, Bose is going to come into play, but I don't know about Ahsoka's. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's the kind of thing that they're just kind of setting up a backdoor well, pilot for, you know? Well, I feel like, I don't tell me if you agree, I feel like um, Bo-Katan and Boba don't steal from the spotlight nearly as bad as Ahsoka. Uh, Ahsoka. No, but it's just, it's Ahsoka. 
That's what I'm saying. So, like, I feel like that's why Ahsoka would have a spinoff show. Because even I said at the beginning of when we started talking about this episode, when I talk about Ahsoka's episode, it feels like she's there more than Din Djarin. Yeah. You know? So, I feel like... Like Bo Bo Katan and, and uh, Boba Fett, I feel like they can exist in the in the show consistently. Well, and not take uh, yeah, way I too just uh, Bo and Ahsoka are, are friends, you know. So I mean, it's always possible that like once she gets the dark saber, if she does, she's gonna screw off and go do. That's gonna segue into their their show together. Like maybe True. maybe that's something they have in common. I mean, there's still Sabine from Rebels that was friends with Ahsoka, and a that's how rebels ended was them two setting off to go find ezra who was with thrawn so i don't know if the i feel like we could get a tease of him of thrawn but you know uh it's something i, I just want to pick your brain real quick brian something brian told me off air and I, I think he definitely deserves to get his opinion out was brian loving din Djarin so much he kept telling me like he's like dude i'm not trying to diss on any of these stuff i love these characters these this awesome straight fire but you know you can you can put it into better words but you care more about Din Djarin and Grogu's journey. And a lot of this stuff has been so cool with the star power that it's taken away from that a bit. So I think, let me ask you, like, would you much rather these kind of be backdoor pilots so the focus can kind of get back to um, Din Djarin and Grogu? Well, it's weird because even though I make that opinion, I love this season. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. I'm not, I'm literally not complaining at all. Um, but the first season, as I've already said, that felt like, Din Djarin season like let's let's give this guy a season let's it's his version of a movie to introduce him as a character in the universe you know it it, it capsizes with him revealing his name with his backstory of him being taken by uh the death watch with his face reveal like that's his season it feels like they like they kind of said okay we did that now we can go and expand the universe um so yeah the thing I care about most is is Din Djarin and and, and Grogu's journey um but I'm okay with it continuing to expand I I'm probably alone in this, but like I'm not a huge fan of opening a bunch of pilots um, because I've seen that mainly in the CW DC universe. I think it got way, way overdone. And I'm sure there's people listening there going, Brian, that stuff's badass. What are you talking about? But <laughs> like I watched Arrow and Arrow was this very consistent show and it, it kept introducing character after character after character until both me and my wife who were fans of it, we don't really care to have anything to do with that with any of that stuff anymore because it's just you know it's cool when they brought in the flash and they give him a show but now it's this show this show this show this connect tomorrow things. and black lightning and, and star girl and, and all it's this just yeah, too much it's just too much so you know i think they should be careful with it and not get too ambitious you know because here's a fact for you star wars will disappoint all of you again it will happen it does, i don't know if it'll be in the mandalorian if it'll be in a sideshow if it'll be in another movie Star Wars will, it's it's been like this, and I'm making like a, a graph going up and down with my hand. It's been like this since the beginning, you know, and it's going to continue that way. So don't get too far ahead of yourself. Ahsoka has definitely earned a, a series of her own, but do I think we need to have an Ahsoka series, a Bo-Katan series, a Boba Fett series, a Cassian Endor series? You know, that's just... Yeah, you know, I've said that a lot. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get those to be, to be fair. Like, it's very much stands to reason that we could have, you know, maybe only one or two of these characters would get a show or maybe none at all. And maybe this, maybe they do have them in there in the show to actually give them a purpose. And not I'm also not against, I'm also not against, I, I'm not saying this is the right choice, but I'm also not against 14 seasons of the Mandalorian that continues to expand this universe. Like this could be the Mandalorian verse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it just, <laughs> I'm not saying that's what I want or it's a good idea. I'm just saying like, you know, who, who's to say that, 
the entirety of the Mandalorian needs to be wrapped up in four seasons or less. You, uh, know? you know what's funny? I've always had the idea of four seasons in my head. The fact that you just said that, that me too. Funny. Yeah. I feel like because the show feels like it needs to be that kind of concise, you know. But yeah. who knows? Um, so Josh, do you want to move on to the the, the last episode we've yeah. seen here? Yeah, let's talk about that. If We're they actually, show Grand Emerald Thrawn, uh, cool. If they don't, no big deal. But boy, was it cool to get that name drop. That was enough for me, man. Um, yeah, Josh wanted to actually try to aim for two hours on this. We're just hitting the two-hour mark, so we're going to cover this last episode, and we'll get us out of here. We definitely want to talk more Star Wars soon. Yeah, we're going to have um, to. <laughs> um, so I will start by saying I thought objectively the best episode of this season was the first episode. Mm-hmm. The episode that I have enjoyed the most as far as fun goes is this one. This is, is the one I... What's that? Why is that, Brian? It... It's shortened to the point. It's shortened to the point, and it's fun the whole thirty-three minutes. I have this is the only episode that I watched two times in the same day. I watched it. I've already watched it twice. And when we get off here, I'm going to watch it again. I'm watching it third. Shortest episode of the season, but boy, does it not! Every minute is spent. It's the most fun for me, Uh, and my favorite scene of the entire season is in this episode so far. It is the opening with Yoda and Din Djarin amazing dude just gets me in the feels uh just the whole like you know din's like grogu and he responds yeah no. you know does it does it respond and he's just like oh yeah you know he's That's like, adorable. I, I like it's like a little dog it's like, it's like i love this and he says grogu does it again and he's just like oh you can just tell din just loves it yeah. <laughs> and then he's like telling him to use the force and all that and then just the whole like use the force use the force you know and he uses it and he's like hot, you know, i don't know what he says he's like you know, Big yeah. Nabbit or something like that. Grogu thinks and Grogu's bad. like so surprised because he's not used to Din Djarin. Like you hear Din Djarin laugh for the first time. Yeah, he's not used to seeing Din be so animated. It's great. Uh-huh. And you're just like, you're just picturing, you know, Pedro Pascal's face behind the, the mask and just how he's just a real person taking joy in this. And it's just like, uh, you just love the relationship between them. And then even after all that happens, while he resumes like flying, he's just kind of like... You know, you he's talking to Grogu, and he's like, "You want you you want to learn more from the Jedi, right? Like, I can't teach you that way. I, I you're way more powerful than I am." And he's talking to, and this isn't to downplay Grogu at all, because Grogu is this smart, intelligent being. But like, he's talking to Grogu the way I talk to my dog that I love so much. He's like, you know, <laughs> like my dog's name's Leon. I'm like, yeah, Leon, you know, I can't bring you with me because you'll have to stay in the car, and you won't be able to cut. You'll be bored, and you'll be you'll be alone. And that's like, what's interesting. That's how he's though, talking is, to Grogu. Like, even though Grogu is like around fifty years old, we don't really know. We still don't know if that if fifty years old is it like is that like is that like five years old in like his species years, or is he actually like a full fifty? You know what I mean? Like, or yeah. is he kind of like? Is, is he, he like, like five, is he like five? Yeah, exactly. Five, yeah. How how does that fifty kind of spread itself? You know, in in terms of experience. So we don't know, um, but it it was adorable. Yeah. So that opening scene was amazing. Now I will. Okay. So to preface again, Josh, you know how sometimes when you have a critique of a movie or a show, sometimes it's a critique that you've only arrived at because you've spent countless hours thinking of it, yeah. and then the other times there's critiques that the second. You see it. You already know the problem. I don't want to have any problems with this issue, but I will admit literally a minute or two into this this episode, I thought the budget seemed lower. I've seen every... I was listening to Blue Harvest and they were talking about that too. The the, the cockpit of the, uh, the beginning, it literally seemed... Even that seemed lower budget. I don't know why. I don't know if it was because it was just literally... 
them shooting his cockpit set with like a, a quick like even the camera almost didn't seem like well, the same like the lens seemed different I was or say Hawes, Hawes mentioned on the show when the dark troopers there's a shot of them coming down and he thought that looked very video gamey and he was like, All right, did you guys intend to do this? Because since they originated from a video game, like, did you guys, was that your intention or like mm-hmm. not? Because it looks very yeah. video gamey. I'd have to rewatch it again to, to yeah, see. Something seemed, something seemed off with that. Also, you know, the jokes about the location seeming like, oh, the Mandalorian takes a trip to Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I hate that that makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, even it though I'm not bothered by it, I agree. It does look to it. I think yeah. that's the, that's the beat around the bush. Uh, this is where they save movie. money right here. This must but, have been the uh, save money episode. Um, a lot happens. Though. Yeah, but so a lot happens too. Textually, it's um, fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, but obviously, um, you know, I was picturing, you know, once again, I'm not upset by any of this. I'm just saying, I was picturing this giant, elaborate, uh, elaborate, wow, elaborate, ornate um, Jedi place that you, I yeah. pictured like this giant, like kind of temple at the top of a mountain. Well, to be fair, I sent you a couple of pictures of Tython in the old can in the older oh, yeah. game. So, this was more like, yo, canon. there's. There's some stones and a rock that's smooth. Like, that's it. But, you know, he takes Grogu up there and sets him down, and then that's when everything starts to go to crap. I want to let you talk for a bit, Josh. Oh, that's fine. Well, the episode, (laughs) I mean, every time, it's so funny because every time we get into these episodes and you see the title of the chapter, I mean, it kind of, it has implications there. And the moment this one says the tragedy, you're like, you're excited and you're like, oh no, what does this mean? And we get to see that uh, the ship gets blown up. Uh, Grogu gets captured by Moff Gideon. Uh, but the biggest, biggest thing, Boba Fett shows up. Boba Fett talks. The first thing he says is, is he's like, or one of the first things he says is, is like, I'm just a simple man trying to make his way in the universe. Just like his daddy did. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And then he starts talking about Django and shit. And then he wants that armor. And I just love that he's like, you he's very self-motivated right and he just wants that armor so bad like that's like just like he's level-headed he's like not your armor my armor that you got from Cobb vanth back on Tatooine. yeah <laughs> in episode one remember yeah <laughs> yeah remember i was at the end when the aspect ratio aspect ratio you couldn't came. see me but i was watching you from afar yeah. yeah uh it was so cool i mean just free i think we already talked about this earlier maybe we didn't but so <laughs> People have not seen Boba Fett in armor in live action since 1983. Like, let that sink in, ladies and gentlemen. It was an absolute damn Saw delight in it. to see. Yes, but I mean, not Boba in his armor. Like, so that was just euphoric to see. And there's a shot when he's like fighting. Like, we're gonna get into all this. I'm all going all around. But there's a shot where like he fucking takes his pistol and he's like does the whole western like, yep. and then puts it in. Same thing Django did. Same thing Django did. I was like, just like his daddy. I was like, man, I love it. I love it. And then even when he's like, when at the end, when he's shown his like, his sort of like uh, DNA code and everything, and, and it gets confirmed. And it gets reconfirmed. Like in the old canon, Django wasn't Mandalorian. But we get reconfirmed in the new canon that Django was a Mandalorian. He was a foundling. He fought in the Mandalorian like Civil War, basically. There was a lot there to like take. And it was just really, really cool. But getting to see Dad Bod Boba. <laughs> which is actually Brian's name in this stream. Uh, it was great to get to see that. I, I, it just made me so happy. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, you know what, Brian? I didn't even tell you this, but over Ahsoka, this had me the most emotional. And I've never been someone to consider myself a Boba Fett fan. I'm just been indifferent. He's cool, but I'm not. Huge. And even though I'm a far less fan of Star Wars than you, same. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Boba, because I grew up watching movies with Boba Fett when I was yeah. a little kid. So this, you know, this resonated with me more than Ahsoka. Yeah, and it was cool too because, you know, it was one of those things George did in I think the two thousand four edits is where it first started, but he had Tamara Morrison come in and re-record Boba Fett's dialogue, and getting to see Tamara Morrison play Boba Fett. It just it, it enhances yeah. that now. That's like something it retroactively that like really helps. For all you guys, because you don't know, I own you, for Star big Star Wars fans. You, you're aware of this already, but there is a version of the original trilogy called the Despecialized Edition, which tries to make uh, the original Star Wars trilogy without any of the edits in Blu-ray quality. I own those, so that's how I watch the movie. And I will admit, I kind of miss out on having that um, Tamara Morrison's voice there. Uh, there's, there's, there's obviously, I mean, honestly, there's probably a dozen plus edits that I do like. Well, again, this is what's so cool about the show and, and just the canon and the way Disney's done stuff is like, they did have their issues with the sequel trilogy, love them or hate them. But like so much else has been straight fire and so complimentary to George's vision. And you see the marriage of that and things like that. Like it's, it's such a little thing to think about. I'm going to say what's going to piss people off. I love Kathleen Kennedy. I think she's great for Star Wars. Oh, dude, I don't hate Kathleen. And I've been a fan of hers since the beginning. And I have never hated on her, even when I was upset with Last Jedi. I think she's great. And you know what? I know that this is like a, uh, a John Favreau, Dave Filoni project here, but she's still associated oh, in some ways dude. with Mandalorian. You know, she's done great. I mean, she's not perfect, but neither was freaking No, dude, you know what? Hey, man, you know, it. I think what this always brings me back to is that, it. look, it does kind of suck that, you know, they stumbled a bit. The one thing they stumbled a bit in the Star Wars lore in this Disney era was the sequel trilogy. The one thing you feel like had the most, the, the most weight to it, you know, the most eyes on it was the sequel trilogy. And they, they, they fumbled just a little bit with that. But everything else has been straight fire. And you know what? When I when I watch Mandalorian every week and, and everyone gets excited and I see the buzz on the internet and people struggle so much to not uh, show spoilers, which is another topic in of itself. I cannot uh, stand how yeah, quick people are with that. Yeah. But the fact that there is so much buzz about this just really leads me to believe, you know what, like the sequel trilogy walked so all this could run like it, it you know and it's it's worth it like i wouldn't i guess in a way i wouldn't change it like i miss maybe you know so there's rumors that in the in the obi-wan show they're gonna flash back and we're gonna have hayden scenes you know and it's like if i get hayden live action at this point i, I just want hayden live action i had an idea yeah. josh I, I don't know if you'd be for it or not i'm not sure how they go about it but what i would like is a mini series with hayden christensen playing anakin that is canon Bear with me here. I know this doesn't make sense. It's canon, but it also didn't happen. Anakin, at his current age now, a miniseries of him in like a, if he hadn't become, become Darth Vader. Oh, Bane. an alternate series. But I, but I want it to be canon, but obviously it doesn't take over. What like what? Like he's there. having a dream or something? Um, Like... Like Vader well, one day is in the tube and he's just like hanging out. No, and he just has a dream. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a whole thing with Ezra and timelines? Yeah, it's it's already yeah. canon. Yeah. No, no, no. It's canon. It's canon. It's so just, something there. That's because I because I think and I think Hayden Christensen deserves his another spot a chance at this. And there's no way to the only, like you just said the only thing they can do with him canon really is to try to make him look younger and do stuff that happened back in the prequel times. But I would like to see him. Now if they do that. Yeah. I don't want it to be canon. I am completely fine with them doing non-canon well, things. Well, but 
Okay, that's fair opinion. But I'm, when I'm saying it's canon, I mean like it happened in a parallel universe. It didn't really. It still doesn't count towards this universe. But well, the reason I say that is less to do with the actual content and more to do with the impact. Like people would, people who really love that would then say, "This needs to replace. This needs to retcon this." You make a good point, and, and that would become point. an argument yeah. less. Yeah, than maybe it's a bad idea. Talk, no, it's I not could, a bad could, idea. I, could, I, I think could admit to that. Though. I think that's fun. I think that hey, anything with Hayden, I'm gonna eat up. So. But uh, no, no, no. To get to get back to the episode, uh, it was just so damn cool to see Boba Fett finally, and it just gives me hope for all these other characters. I mean, we've gotten so many golden nuggets this season of name drops and stuff, and it's just like from every era. I mean, you're getting like Boba from the original trilogy. You're getting Grand Admiral Thrawn from the Clone Wars, and or I'm sorry, Rebels. You're getting Ahsoka from Clone Wars. You're getting some prequel era content in there, and you're getting it's like the Snoke's tease shit from the yeah. sequel trilogy. They're doing everything, and it's so cool. I mean, isn't it? Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it more or less a fact that the the remnants of the Empire right now they have well, to okay. become First Paul, Order? Paul's right? pointed this out, and I can't get the thought out of my head yet. But yes, what's interesting is that Boba, as he's flying in the ship, and he goes up and he sees the Empire, he's like, "They're back," and they're like, "Who?" and he's like, "The Empire." And they're like, "No," and he's like. Yeah, this not this is not just some spy stream. The Empire's back. I'm seeing them. It's like, dude, didn't you guys just shoot a bunch of the stormtroopers on the ground? Like, yeah. it's well been there. But we do know from season one, stormtroopers are still out there. But to be fair, and he 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 said this himself too. Like he was saying, like you know, but he's been on Tatooine, and he might not have seen all of them being out in the Dune Sea. We don't know what he's been up to. So for him, seeing those stormtroopers first and foremost may have led him to believe in the moment, like, okay. Dudes in stormtrooper armor, weird. But then he gets up and he sees this big ship and he's like, oh shit, like they're not just some remnants. These guys are like fully armed. So there's a lot man, there. Slave to think One about. is so cool too. Oh man, when the Slave One showed up, I was like, I was telling dad, I'm like, that's a Slave One. I'm like, no, that's not, the, they can't be the Slave One. It looks a little different. Okay, that is a Slave One. I'm like, then the person gets out and he's hooded and I'm like, that's not Boba. That's not, and then I'm like, it is Boba. It is, it's Boba Fett. And I was just freaking out. Like, I was, I was all over the place. And then the Dark Troopers getting to come down. And I'm telling you guys, I played Dark Forces. That was my first real Doom experience. And going through, I never beat that game as a kid, but I got the, I, I played a lot of missions and it was just so cool to see the Dark Trooper project sort of brought to life. And Did this. you like how they were done in this? Yeah, I like them so far and I, I just the whole cybernetics. They're basically Terminators. Each one is a Arnold Schwarzenegger in its own right and it's just, it, it definitely seems, we're going to get into this, I want to pass how it tough over to are, you. How tough are they in your experience, like knowing from prior canon? Like They were definitely tough. I mean, they were supposed to be sort like, of. Would the, it pose next... any challenge? Would one of would 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 all four of them pose any challenge for Ahsoka Tano? Yeah, not okay. like ne- well, not necessarily. Like, well, don't get me wrong, Ahsoka Tano is pretty damn tough, but like we don't know what, how they're going with this approach in this new canon. Maybe they got some different stuff with their armor. I don't know, but I mean, like they're supposed to definitely be challenging. They're supposed to definitely be. Foes. Like you have the Magna Guards that General Grievous had with the dual staffs in like. Revenge of the Sith. These guys are definitely supposed to be on a like different Din level. Like, Din would probably die one-on-one with the four of them. No, I think... Oh, oh with the four of them? Four yeah, of them. I don't know. It, probably gone. Well, they're definitely hyping it up for these guys, that we're going to see these guys, like, battle at some point. Probably at the finale. Dude, as a huge Breaking Bad fan, I'm, I love... Uh, I can't say his name properly. Gianno Car... I, Car- I can't say it. Yeah. But Moff Gideon. Um, he, he's he's channeling his his Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. He acts just like him, and yeah. he's is awesome. I love him. Oh, I remember he was in a couple... 
early seasons of Once Upon a Time, and he just he. It's not to say he's a bad actor because he is not at all, but like I, I can see some of that too. So it sounds like he just kind of there's a there's a similar part of stereotype in every one of, of his characters. characters so. Yeah, but uh, uh, what do you think about Baby Yoda or Grogu throwing around them stormtroopers with the Force? That oh, was, dude, that was pretty comical, and then the way he lays down reminded me of Leia. <laughs> New Hope, aren't you little? Oh uh, yeah, I saw you. yeah. So yeah, super funny. But uh, overall, Brian, I, I've been talking. What are your thoughts on this episode, man? Uh, yeah, like I said, this is the most over. fun I've had in an episode. It's a lot of I think fun it, to watch Star Wars, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they've all been so much fun, but I think the fact that this one was short and right to the point, and you got to see, you know, you got to see, you got the Boba stuff, you got the Dark Trooper stuff, you got Moff Gideon showing up again, you, uh, baby, or Grogu being taken, um, the Slave One, uh, just seeing Din laugh at the beginning. Oh, there's just so much in such a short time. Razor Crest um, blown up. And- it's crazy to think that the director of this directed Spy Kids. <laughs> um, Robert Rodriguez is great. Yeah, this was. I loved my favorite shot of this scene was when he puts the camera down at the bottom of um, Boba's staff and he follows it as it drags along the ground. It was almost like a horror movie where this thing's about to f some people. Yeah, up, dude, and then he comes he around does. the corner and just plays whack a mole. That dude's bleeding That's, from his okay. skull. <laughs> Brian said this earlier. You said to your credit, dude, like. This was definitely the best way it, it, to show Boba to like imagine imagine in one episode in 30 minutes they make you believe that this character that we had seen 30 years ago was every bit as reputable as he he was seen by all these characters and given you know what I mean like they made him so powerful and so strong and it was so satisfying to see that because you get to see him do it without his armor and then it makes when he does wear his armor and starts doing the badass shit so believable so believable and all the more badass you're like oh my god like yeah it's so cool when he's just whipping that the shit out of him with next that to Darth stick. Vader, man yeah dude that's crazy it is crazy like, Din he held his daddy next he held Jango's helmet on Geonosis like it's, yeah oh Din stood next to Ahsoka who trained under Anakin Skywalker, who Boba Fett stood next to as 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 Darth Vader. Yeah, man. It's a freaking... Oh, it's who a, also was there while Han was out putting the Carbonite, who <laughs> yeah. Ben Solo's out there as his son, who... Yeah. Oh, it just wraps... It's like oh, poetry. We're going to talk about that. Like, <laughs> you know, the whole the whole big thing, too, was Yo, uh, Grogu sitting on the little rock, and it's the beam goes up, and we don't yeah. know what's going on. That he is like some that was meditation. Like a video game too. And... <laughs> What's his nuts? Uh, Din Djarin is constantly trying to get to him. And it's like, Din Djarin, how many times are you going to try this before you realize this is not like happening? How he's, like, he's like, okay, just stay there. I'll protect yeah. you. Like, bro, that's what was happening anyway. Yeah. I tell you. <laughs> the, yeah. So he's constantly trying to do that. And, and you know, Ahsoka implied that, you know, basically put your force powers out there to, you, to the universe and we'll see if a Jedi answers. And again, doesn't seem like the kind of thing you imply without having some kind of uh satisfying conclusion come to that who do you think we're gonna see show up? okay That's i've seen a lot of people say i love that olivia yes i've seen people say ezra i see people want luke i don't care who they do if they have anybody selfishly i want luke played by sebastian stan that's what I want. Exactly, dude. <laughs> I'm happy to that. hear that, man. I literally want that. Like, I want, and Sebastian, because I'm like, you know what? Don't, don't, don't give me a, uh, don't give me 30 minutes of CGI, Luke. Please, God, no. Um, because I don't think, but Sebastian Stan, uh, dressed the right way with the right little makeup tweet. Well, here's the thing, too. I saw someone like do a kind of like Photoshop yeah. artsy job of like Sebastian Stan as Luke, and I thought, he kind of still had the re- Return of the Jedi look, and I thought, okay, six years have passed. He's not necessarily going to be wearing the same clothes and have the same haircut, so you don't have to adhere completely to that look. 
for it to work. So hey, and Han worked really for me it. with Al- Alden Alreich. Al- Al- yeah, yeah. So Alden do Al- it, man. That's what I want because if Luke shows up, this this well, show if he's got little little ramping. Kylo with him. You could cast any kid as long as he kind of slightly resembles. You know, cast uh, cast Atreus from God of War as little yeah, Kylo. Yeah, you could. Yeah, that's perfect, uh, Brian. Boom. Hope your guys. Boom. Where's my boom, Jim? <laughs> uh, but uh, yes, I wish. But uh, man, dude, that's what the show does. It keeps ramping it up, ramping it up. How do you ramp it up once again? Luke, mother effing Skywalker. Yeah, you don't. It's like every episode you think, okay, this is going to be the filler one, or oh, this is going to be the one where it's not as good. But like, it just keeps amping up. And now we're at a point. Like he goes back to Tatooine, or I'm sorry, not Tatooine. I forget the name of the planet. He goes back to Navarro, and he goes to uh, Miss Hot Take on the internet, and he talks to her, and he's like, I'm basically he's putting a team together. And now you can start to see that, like maybe all these guest appearances in a lot of ways have been because he's going to try to assemble a team to go take on Moff Gideon and rescue that little dude. And then all these little subplots that people have had, all these little agendas, are going to come to fruition at the end of the season, and. Maybe some people will die. Maybe we'll get some cliffhanger stuff. Like it's just making me so excited for the direction this is going to end on. Here's what I, I want to say: this because this is something nobody says in the moment of heightened popularity. But I want all of y'all to hear it. Okay, everybody's loving the Mandalorian right now. The show is straight fire. We're excited. We want to see more. Can't wait to see what happens. Woo woo woo! But this <laughs> is this has happened so many times where people are invested in a show and they love it and they speak highly of it. They say it's their favorite thing ever, and then eventually they're disappointed, and they forgo all of this. Oh, like Game remember, of Thrones? Remember when you watched Game of Thrones? <laughs> Brian's smiling because he... Go ahead. Go ahead, man. Game of Thrones is my favorite show of all time. Love the ending. Love the final season. Don't care. But if we were talking about season four of Game of Thrones right now, if we were talking about uh, Tyrion getting, getting out of... Um, escaping King's Landing and killing his father. If we were talking about Jon Snow being resurrected and coming back to life, if we were talking about any of these huge moments that everyone just loved from Game of Thrones, couldn't wait to see what came next, Mm -hmm. you would never be thinking about hating it. But now so many people are saying, you know what, Game of Thrones is garbage. Show never really was that good. The first four seasons, I didn't I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, they tried to ruin to me. Same same goes for um uh, what's another thing? I mean, the prequels. How many of us have dogged the prequels at once at a point in our lives, or maybe not many me, times. baby, and not now not Josh, <laughs> and but many people love it now. Yeah. So just remember how you feel right now watching Mandalorian, because who knows what's going to happen in season three? Oh, you're four, right, Brian. Five. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Maybe something crazy happens. Maybe, maybe something so stupid happens. Maybe yeah. Din. We talked gets about this on the main show about make Snoke. We, yeah, <laughs> we talked just about stupid. how Brian, like, at one point in time, after playing Halo 5, it made him retroactively dislike Halo 4, and he had to go through that process of being able yeah. to, like, separate the two. You know, I think for me, initially, Last Jedi made me retroactively dislike Force Awakens. Well, now so much time has passed, and I'm coming around, I'm like, I love all this stuff, and just because I don't, like, like some of the directions of Rise of Skywalker doesn't stop me from still enjoying everything else that came before. Yeah. So... It's it's definitely good to to take stock of the moment. Keep it in mind, yeah. Enjoy where most, it is. Remember how you felt when these things happened. And it, most of ever, most of you listening liked Force Awakens a lot when you first saw it. And, but many of you are now saying, "Screw the sequel trilogy." I know you were upset by either I Last Jedi, remember, Rise of Skywalker, or both. But as we come around to this, even when we were talking about Emperor uh, Emperor Palpatine earlier, like this stuff is fun, dude, and that's why we should we should focus on that always. Like that's that's what we should hone in on, like. 
So what? Like if they ever do this, if they're like, we're going to spend five years telling non-canonical live action stories. I'm like, don't care. Love it. Give me whatever you want to give now because you can do anything. I, I, I just, I love Star Wars. I, I love seeing what they're doing. And I, the, the fact that it's all interconnected, dude, it just makes me more excited. The lore is so rich and it is so inclusive of everything. It's like Disney is like saying. It was like, like it we, happened a long time ago when yeah, the galaxy popped off. It's away. just so exciting, guys. And you know what? I've heard rumors. I was going to ask you real quick, Brian. There is supposedly rumors that uh, Naboo sets are being built for season three. Heard that. And a lot of it's going to take place there. If we see Gungans again, if we see Jar Jar. I'm ready for it. Dude. Bring I'm gonna him. cry. I will cry. Bring him. Like I've the, said this you before. have Anakin Skywalker for me and Hayden Christensen coming back, and then you have Jar Jar. Even right now, I'm getting teary eyed just thinking about getting to see him. Well, back. I've said it before oh, in the man. past. I'm like, when I watched the prequels, I thought Jar Jar was annoying. I think he was annoying by intention on purpose. Um, but I never hated him. It was just everyone else hating him that made me go, well, yeah, he's annoying. So I get their complaints. So yeah, he sucks. So I really never had a problem with him. I just, I mean, I think he's annoying by design. Do you agree with that? Sure. I think I that's like, the whole point of Gungans. And yeah. I think it's, I think that's a part of like what you see with Obi-Wan. Even in the Clone Wars, he's still annoying. Him. Oh, yeah. It's, it's purposeful, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm cool with you. Well, I don't I, think I he's a great character. I said this in, a, in one of the other podcast guys. I'm sorry if I already did, but I'm going to summarize this very quickly. But uh, I was listening to, I was finishing an audiobook, and uh, Katie Lucas, the daughter of George Lucas, was talking, telling this story. Um, just uh, about how you know her involvement with uh, the Clone Wars series and stuff like that, and was talking about her father. And she said there were times when they would sneak into the cinemas when the prequels well, were coming that. out, and they would sit together, and he would hold her hand. And the moment Star Wars and you know a long time ago and all that would blow up on the screen, and people would freak out. He would the smile would spread across his face, and she said it was always the happiest she saw her dad. And I don't know, that just makes me. It, I remember when he did Jar Jar, and I just, you know, it's so cool. And, like, even if he had never shown up in episode two or three, I just wouldn't have cared. But, like, I would love to see Jar Jar again. And, and I, I'm i definitely someone who does not like the story he gets in Aftermath. It felt like, it felt like, uh, it felt like uh, buying into fan hatred, if you will, yeah. for lack of a better term. Yeah, fans dictate way too much. So uh, I, there was too much influence there, I felt like. So even if he's, he's literally doing what he does in the book, which is good because it's by canon, uh, I would just love to see him again. And I'd love to see him just I'd, – I'd just love to see Jar Jar. doesn't have to take over anything. He could be on there one episode for two minutes, and I'm just like, that's my friend. That was the first toy I got from episode one. Josh, how would you feel if in the future there was like some kind of series animated or whatnot around Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. and in the se- animated series was Ghost Anakin? Does that help at all? I know it's not the same no, as Hayden literally. I, don't get me wrong. Any of that is awesome to me, but I just I need to see Hayden again. He should have He should have just been it. there. It, it didn't need to take over anything. Could have been a 30-second cameo. He just needed to be there. Uh, well, Josh, to wrap this up, and these, you know, our minds are going to change, and this is just in the moment. And also, it's been a while since we watched season been one. Been a while. Josh, what do you, what do you, been a while. There it is. <laughs> uh, Josh, what do you give season one of The Mandalorian out of 10? I know you haven't watched it in a bit. Okay. Uh, just, no, just roll with question. it. For me, it's an eight out of 10. I was going to say eight out of 10, I think. This one is, as of right now, and that's going to change for sure, yeah. uh, eight or a nine. Same, same page. I feel like. On one hand, I feel like it's an eight because that's what the quality represents is an eight. But because of everything they've given us, I kind of want to push it to a nine. Yeah. So, yeah. So 
What's your favorite uh, episode this season? Uh, what's, this your obje- season? what's the objective best and what's your favorite? I think I think objectively the best was the first one. Okay, we're on I the think same that page. also is my favorite because it was so long that it felt like it had time to tell the story it needed to tell. And I love the show so much that I hate waiting a week for it. And when the episodes are short, like the last one, it's like I need more of this, you know. So the fact that it was it was like forty eight minutes, I think, and it had it. But by the time the episode was over, I was like, I felt like I got a really good lengthy episode. I was felt like a movie almost. I was very satisfied by it. So probably probably my favorite through and through. But I've liked every episode this season. I th- you so I I agree with you. Objective best is the first episode. I once again this could change. It's all very fresh. I think my favorite episode is the one we just watched. Boba, dude, I don't blame and, you. And the crazy thing is, Josh knows this. I don't have any partiality towards Boba. I've never claimed to be a Boba fan. I've never disliked him. Or it made me a Boba favorite. fan, right? right? Like, I mean, yeah. That's the thing is, like, I I feel like so many people are going to come out of the woodwork saying, like, "Yo, I'm a huge Boba fan now." But like, remember those OGs who liked him? Just that's true. They deserve they deserve their credit yeah. here because they they finally got what they've waited exactly. for so long. And um, so. Oh, so sad. Well, Boba's a big part of that, but it's not just Boba that I like this episode so much. For me, it was just fun well, hey. interactions between Din and Grogu. Din just stone. makes friends wherever he goes, and you know yeah. what? He, he just can't uh, help it. He's such a likable character, and little Grogu is so back. adorable. Now, Boba's sitting there like, listen, man, I know your ship got blown up, but I promised you, you get me that armor, even though I just took it. Yeah, I'm going to help you rescue that child. Me and this lady, we're going to help you. Yeah, it's, it's like, awesome. Oh! And they're bringing back it. Bill Burr from the first season, and yeah. he's recruiting everybody. And he, and then he's like to Gina Carano, he's like, "They took the kid," and she's like, "Say what?" She's like, "I'm gonna <laughs> give up all my duties." Now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just, oh. yeah. The, the episode and the thing is funny is I can I can make complaints about how like it seemed cheaper here or there or whatnot, but and it was short. But I think it was just my favorite to watch. I'm gonna go watch it yeah, again. The, after the last the thing I want to say before we get out of here is that. I love that Star Wars, since Disney has taken over, has has become like a Christmas tradition. It's like a holiday tradition in like November Same. and December, and we're seeing that now. And I even look back at our podcast a year ago, and we did we did like an episode on talking about the first episode of Mandalorian. Then we did an episode Skywalker. discussing Rise of Skywalker. Matthew Salvatore came on. The Man of Salt Justice League and knew it needed more came on and talked about Rise of Skywalker yeah. with Brian versus Last Jedi stuff. So it seems like we're just destined to to do this so we're definitely going to be back uh talking more coverage i can't wait to see a star wars film again too you know i mean i can wait dude the light of the light of the the high republic canon book series starts in january i'm gonna listen to the audiobook supposedly we're getting a movie supposedly we're getting a show i can't wait i want to i hope i'm i want to be on that hype i hope i'm planning to be i hope i am i i've made a i made a status on twitter once i was like you know i wish i was a better star wars fan because unlike my love for other franchises star wars is a thing that like i obsess over for two to three months and then i phase out for a long time i don't want to do that anymore i want to just be either i want to be on i love when time. you're into star wars it so makes this stuff great. fun dude I'm it's so glad. great uh, and now he's watching the Clone Wars. So, guys, we'll probably be back to talk uh, just our overall thoughts on the season finale, uh, just the season overall of Clone Wars, like we kind of did now, but we'll talk about it overall. Brian is just zooming through the Clone Wars. We'll probably be back to talk about his his thoughts on the Clone Wars overall. Lots of Star Wars stuff to talk about. So great. This was a great episode. I had so much fun. Me too. Uh, guys, thank you for uh, joining us on the Sacred Icon podcast. And Josh is going to do something a little different uh, with the song taking us out. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you like Star Wars, make sure to check out the Blue Harvest podcast. We are huge fans. They're the best Star Wars podcast for us. Uh, We've mentioned them a lot here. Just great thoughts, great opinions. Check them out. 
And as always, guys, keep it sacred.